This episode of We Bought a Mic is brought to you by Arizona. The price on the can, though. Imagine Dragons, right, guys? Yeah. yeah. Philip Phillips was in that, right? Just kidding. Actually, that was close to Philip Phillips. <laughs> that wasn't too far off. We bought a mic, a pop culture podcast, where we talk about the latest in the film, TV, music, and etc., uh, etc. Et you know, popular culture. Yeah. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. We love you. I'm Ernest Calderon. And, um... I love you more. All right. And uh, my name is Hunter Mobley. This is Drew Dietzen, your main host. Just us today on this fine September night. Yeah, but this sucks. <laughs> it's very lonely. We need our guests to just generate all of our material. There's nobody. There, we just have an empty fourth yeah. chair sitting across from me right now. I've, I've nothing to say to you. No review tonight. <laughs> Keeping it chill. Just yeah. getting through some movie news, some things we've been watching. Puppy, quit. It is our does our dog count as pop culture? Yes. Um okay. at popular. Young Prince Anu on Instagram. With a Y U N G. He's a very good boy. He is a good boy, but he just won't play with him all day. Yeah. Well, the minute we start recording, he just needs so much attention. He's a needy boy. Well, shout out to Anubis. Alright. You got a shout out. Now will you shut up? <laughs> you got podcast time. Let's uh let's start it up with a little bit of fan mail, guys. Um if people, you wanna wait, if, people listen to this. There are a, quite a few. Uh, there are dozens Tens of them. Of dozens. Yes. Would you say? Okay. So with this setup, are we not going to actually reveal who sent it? Because now we're, we're playing up the fact that we have fans. Well, uh, this m- email comes to us from uh, Jim Bob. <laughs> Jim Bob says, "Hey guys, I listen to the pod every week and was wondering if you guys could erase seeing one movie from your mind so that you could experience seeing it again, or." that you can pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. So what would it be from your biggest fan and probably shortest fan? Jim Bob? Yes. No, we should we should give Gaia credit for that because that's a really good question. Um, so one... I don't mean, know, man. Do it says Jim, Jim, Bob? Jim Bob. Oh, it says Jim Bob? You made it say Jim Bob? What? It was Gaia all along. Everything I know is a lie. I didn't know that you went that far into character. This says... This oh, is wow. from okay, that's We quality. Bought a Mike Fan 666 at gmail.com. That, that could be anyone and they could be anywhere. They yeah. might not be in this room. We don't yeah. know. Um, so that's a good question because it's two different things. You're, you can erase a movie because it was so incredibly bad and because it was so incredibly good. Right. Um, okay, so I guess I'll start. My one, I'll start with my bad one. Um, 
the worst movie that I've ever seen, not counting the room because it was so bad it was good, but just in terms of I saw it and I was like, I want to go back in time. I remember I saw this in middle school in theaters with friends. It was Disaster Movie. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. So you wish you had never seen this film. It is the... It was unbelievable. Like, I was just in there the whole time that you don't give a shit about anything that's happening. It's just a bunch of really bad, like, dicked and tit jokes the whole movie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Kim Kardashian's in there just, like, being someone. I mean, that film is, like, a milestone of that whole spoof genre. That you was, know? That, that was, was when, like, a peak of, of sorts. Yeah, that was when they jumped the shark, in my opinion. Like, scary movies, it's not like they were great movies, but they were profitable and they weren't awful. And then this came out, and it was so... It has a 1.9 on IMDb. Jesus. That's hard to get that on IMDb. Yeah. And I think all the scary movies still had some semblance of a plot, even though they were like all just cash grabs. They're to, not good movies yeah, by any means. But, but you know, you had, uh, was it Charlie Sheen? Yeah. It was Charlie Sheen in most of them just running around like going from movie reference to movie reference. Yeah, like, and, yeah. Anna Ferris was in them too, I think. This was literally just people just like running around and going to different places where there's like, you know, debris everywhere, yeah. but then their scenes are just about like dick jokes. It wasn't about what was And there happening. was no plot. It was yeah. just like endless references. It, yeah, it just had it had Carmen Electra Parody. and it had Kim Kardashian with their boobs out and that was like supposed to be funny or like maybe you know attract like the mountain dew guys who'd be like yo it gives me a boner and like i'm cracking up what so uh my good movie because for this question i was going for like a spectacle movie like a movie where you see it and you don't know where exactly where it's going uh so i chose children of men Ooh. because that movie it and goes, you never saw it in the theater so no so does this question imply that like we'd be seeing it now like the, I think the just, current versions of ourselves? Yeah, I think so. Because Children no, of Men is what, 2007? There's, no, Seven? there's yeah. no mention of literally going back in time, is there, Jim Bob? Um, no, no, no. It's just like you yeah. erase it to experience Yeah, it's just like you put it on, on your TV today. Right. No yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we could also say that you get the chance to see it in theaters. Oh, if I could yeah. go see Presumably. something in the moment, I would go see like one of the Star Wars movies That's, or something. Well, okay, that, that leads into something that I was saying because what I took from this uh, this fan mail question was imagine seeing a movie for the first time without knowing anything about the culture surrounding it. And that's why Ooh. I'd pick the first Star Wars movie. Right. Like experience never seeing it as a child without it being any kind of like a cultural icon or anything, seeing something like that in theaters. Yeah. And then if you think of like The Empire Strikes Back, yeah. finding out that What? Spoilers, oh Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. If you're German though, you already knew that because Vader means father. Yeah. German. All the yeah. German people Only were like, German well, people dumb. know that yeah. <laughs> at this point in history. <laughs> Um, okay, do you have, so, uh, you have anything else to say with yours? Oh, oh, another one that I chose just because it's a funny reason. It's because it's it's a good movie, but it's so long that I don't really want to rewatch it. So I'd rather watch it for the first time. Boyhood, ooh, super long. And the, the first time I watched it, it did it gave me a really unique feeling because it was very. I, Boyhood came out like essentially his life parallels like where we were right were at our Exa point, pretty much to. Exactly. Yeah, to the year, yeah. basically. Because um, he was our age when the movie came out. You know, the kid was like, what, Yeah, 18, like 19? going to college. Yeah, that movie came out when we were 19. Yeah. And you were 20. 
and so it, it did give me like a, a cool you know feeling and it was a cool movie to watch but it's just it's very long and very the pacing of it is pretty slow so re-watching it is kind of something you have to be in a mood for yeah. instead of just putting it on I think that it's like a great movie and to, I don't really like his like the last 40 minutes or so his well, like that's because that young adult. sucks yeah, that's the worst. Once he was an adult, it's like you have no excuse to be bad. Anymore. That movie's all about Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. and, um, and Patricia, Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Yeah, they yeah. both put incredible performances it's in. It's unreal. Ethan Hawke plays one of the most nuanced, like sympathetic yet not great stepfathers. Yeah. And seeing him go from like a 20 something or like I guess late 20s guy to like a 40 something dad mm. is one of the greatest transformations I've ever seen mm. in any movie. It's unreal because it, it's more than just a performance. It's like this man actually aging and maturing. Yeah, it's true. He, yeah, he's, and he's an amazing actor. So he obviously nailed it, even though yeah. it was, those are pretty tough circumstances to ask of an actor. Yeah. To just like come back and be like, hey, remember this? Do it again. So the movie that I chose to answer this question, I went the route um, of it being a good movie mm. that I would want to watch again. Um, is The Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan film. Mm. The reason why I chose this film is because this movie came out in 2008, um, which is almost 10 years ago. So I was a a wee little lad, only 14 years old. And the hype building up to this movie was absolutely unreal. Every poster, every trailer, every little bit of marketing that they yeah. released for this movie, I freaked out over and ty- everything. Typically, when something is marketed that aggressively, it doesn't deliver. Yeah, and, and this movie fucking did. It okay. The thing with the Dark Knight is it kind of like invented viral marketing on a large scale. It had existed before with something like the Blair Witch, where there was a VHS tape being passed around, people thinking that it was a real thing, mm. that it wasn't a movie. So yeah, yeah. viral mar- marketing did exist, but. They, the Dark Knight elevated it to another yeah. level. And then Jared Leto perfected it oh, <laughs> with boy. his Instagram posts. Oh, no. Jeez. <laughs> nah, dude. The the Heath Ledger uh, depiction of the Joker was one of the most transcendental things about any performance ever. Like, just just seeing that that face and hearing that voice it's iconic oh my god like i I couldn't wait to see this movie and then once i was in the theater i remember i went to see with my dad um he took me my brother my sister and i think my cousins went too and i remember walking out of the theater and i couldn't even process the movie like so much hype had built up for this film that once i saw it i i didn't even know like what to think or what it was almost as if i hadn't even seen it I was completely I, no, I know like, what you mean. overwhelmed because um, I was just freaking out in the theater the whole time. I was like, "What? Like this is happening right yeah. now?" That like, was that was also it was a movie that a lot of kids got to see. That if their parents had known like how dark it would get, they probably wouldn't have taken them to see it. Because that I mean that's true for me. My yeah. I saw it with my dad, and he would not have taken me to see that if he had known. But it was a it was a superhero movie, so it hit this sweet spot of like the innocence of parents. But it's it's more than a superhero film. It's mostly just a crime. Yeah, film, exactly. Like you, you would know? go in expecting a lot of dialogue because they remembered the last uh, Batman movies, which were way fucking courtier, yeah. and so they were expecting some. Of that nature, or even Batman Begins was pretty action heavy, yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like Dark Knight, right? Um, 
So it it was just it took people off guard in a crazy way, even though it was marketed yeah. so aggressively. It was it was like a perfect uh, collision. It's kind of fascinating to think about what Heath Ledger's career might have been like if he didn't die. Like if he were still alive today. Yeah, I mean, he won an Oscar for that role. He could have been like one of the great great actors, just because I mean, between The Dark Knight, Brokeback Mountain, like he was just riding this incredible hot streak of acting. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that role played a. Uh, Played a, a role in his death. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it drove him insane. Yeah, he became the Joker. Exactly, and yeah. he, it got the better of him. Did you, you ever know? read about his hotel room that he holed himself up in? Yeah. And on the walls, he, he had pictures of, like, raw meat and then, like, naked women next to each other yeah. and shit. He was trying to make himself insane, yeah. uh, and it kind of worked a little too well. Yeah, I mean, he he was trying to bury himself in this role. He was trying to character And he couldn't act. get out. He Tried to Daniel Day Lewis the Joker, and that's so sad, just, yeah. so tragic. All right, okay, so moving on to uh, a... yeah, speaking of Hugh Hefner just died. Breaking news <laughs> from We Bought a Mic. Speaking of RIP, yeah, we're yeah. breaking the news to everybody. I don't think that anybody knows yet. I mean, by it the just well, broke, they'll know like an hour ago. They'll know tomorrow, though. Yeah, by yeah. the time this <laughs> podcast comes out, this will be old news. We but, just yeah. need you to can you like can we do a live episode this episode so we can break the news to everybody? Okay, everyone, tune in right now. Hit on uh, everyone Facebook tuning live. In? Yeah, everybody right, tuning in. Here? Hugh Hefner's dead. Okay. Are you listening? Okay, yeah. Hugh Hefner died. Wait, I'm okay, gonna, we can move on now. I just want to read exactly what NPR emailed me. Oh, yeah. Saying, says, Playboy founder Hugh Hefner, champion of free speech and smut, <laughs> dies at 91. Kind of sounds like an insult, literally, yes. as they're telling people smut, about his death. Yeah, smut is a negatively connotated word when I'm, they could have used pornography. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that there's people that thought that he was already dead. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he's just one of those guys that's, that's so old and... I mean, like, nobody really cares about Playboy that much. It's, like, Playboy used to be a yeah. huge deal back in the day. Hefner's son just took over as their new, like, operations uh, management guy, and he is going to try to bring them more into online, and he's bringing back naked women because the magazine hasn't done that in a while, and it's like, uh, I hate to break it to you, but there's a lot of those online. Yeah. Hefner, he, he was a big deal back in the day, but, I mean... You know, now he's fucking dead, so... Yeah. <laughs> So now he's nothing. All right, Hunter, did you did you say what you wanted to okay. for the question? Well, um, Drew kind of alluded to like because I be- I also picked a good and a bad movie that I would want to erase for my psyche. Um, of course, one of them was uh, Star Wars, just to see Star Wars fresh in the theaters. But the movie that I wish never existed, and I wish it were completely wiped away from the culture, is Dragon Ball Evolution. Why did you even sit I watched that? it. I watched all of it. Oh my god. And I hated it and it took a giant heaping steaming sh- stinky shit all over my childhood. Fucking Justin Chatwin who you might remember as the shitty kid Dakota Fanning's brother in War of the Worlds that yeah. you don't care about whatsoever. He's who the miraculously star. lives at the end of the film. James Wan Wong I just, I can't believe that that movie ever existed. That movie, and there's a reason seeing Dragon Ball Evolution, like, confirmed for me why I'm never going to see The Last Airbender, because I can only take so much shitting on my nostalgia. I can Mm. only take so much, and this, I wish that this movie never existed. The the few screen caps I've seen of Dragon Ball Evolution just looks like they shot it. um, It looks so cheap. Yeah, like, they shot it on the soundstage, just full of dirt. (laughs) Yeah. 
like the whole movie was just shot in like one single set that they never managed to redress or rebuild or anything and like I, I, I need to look up what the budget actually is for this movie because they're like battle scenes where they're trying to recreate things from the comics and it's clearly just a guy on a wire just being like dangled up in midair. It, yeah. it just it looks so bad. I can't believe that this movie existed. That's sad. What's even what's funny is guaranteed without fail every single time that I go to a pawn shop to look for Blu-rays I can always find at least like three copies of Dragon Ball Evolution kill me so how many do you have at this point like about five amateur thousand we should burn them (laughs) (laughs) um yeah movie it lost 27.5 million at the box office yep somehow it may have looked that cheap but the budget was over 50 million dollars oh my god so what did they do with that money we'll never know they all they snorted all of it (laughs) i can only hope all right before we move on to the movie tv news this week i wanted to bring up some music that i've been listening to i've been checking out the new albums from the killers and foo fighters i need to listen to especially the killers album yeah these are two bands that were massive 10 years ago like huge the killers yeah the killers about like 13 years ago or so they were the biggest band that was new they were the biggest i don't think it was that long ago i'm pretty sure hot fuss was in 03 Oh, oh, was, was it no, or oh, maybe oh four. Yeah, you're. I think you're right. Hot yeah. Fuss and Samstown were yeah. just like incredibly huge albums. Yeah, it was oh, even Day and yeah. Age was pretty popular. So yeah, whenever thirteen it came out, and then Battleborn was what horrible. Battleborn was twenty, maybe twenty twelve, twenty eleven. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're widely. It's widely recognized that they never lived up to at least the popular. Uh, appeal of Hot Fuzz. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is still their biggest album. Yeah. Like whichever if, one you may think is the best, Hot Fuzz had a massive impact. If on, you go on, on Spotify, yeah. Mr. Brightside is still their top played song by far. Yeah, like it, it's stuck around. Yeah. It had an impact on rock so music. Their new album is called Wonderful, Wonderful, and it's definitely a step up from Battleborn, which I'm happy. That doesn't really say much though, because Battleborn was garbage. Yeah, Battleborn was a collection of like. Springsteen covers of Springsteen songs that don't exist, but yeah. and also shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's at least like one redeemable song in there if you are enough of a fan. But I, I mean, I wasn't about it. Wonderful, wonderful, definitely not a great album by any means. But they've changed up their sound and they've managed to, you know, stay somewhat relevant by putting out this record that doesn't feel like a retread or a cry for help or anything like that. It's, mm. just, it's just a solid Killers album. and That's good. And their their sound has moved in this sort of newish direction. Uh, it seems like Brandon Flowers and, and his boys listen to a good bit of U2, like old U2. <laughs> yeah, they're very... Like, they're like just, Joshua Tree. I would rather have a U2 direction than a Bruce Springsteen direction. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, either way, they want so badly to be a stadium rock band. You know, yeah. they, they just want to be able to rock the arenas with these big bombastic sounds. Um, Brandon Flowers also has uh, very publicly like dealt with depression, and that has played into his music. And yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he had issues. He with, had a little bit of a solo career that he tried yeah, out. Yeah, and it he didn't really work out. The song "Spaceman" off of Day and Age, which is a great song and a pretty good album, is uh, it's all like metaphor for his uh, suicide attempt in, oh my in gosh. yeah in 2008 I want to say that's crazy uh, yeah and it's a really good song once you learn that and you just know it's not a bunch yeah. of nonsense but uh, 
that is also played into their musical struggles. I would, I would, you know, assume uh, because he, I mean, he's been struggling with not being able to live up to Hot Fuss. He yeah. was supposed to be the biggest frontman of the biggest band, yeah, and he certainly hasn't been that. He was supposed to be a, like a household name, yeah. You know? So it's, I mean, it's just really good to hear that it's not a bad album. Yeah. And I, that, and I think um, the more I listen to this new album, I think he's sort of still tackling that, um, and he's come to terms with the fact yeah. that. I it's was not. It's not really going to happen. Like rock music is not headed in that direction. Yeah, it's not so. headed in a way of like, hey, we should just like go back to like the late eighties. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 a step in the right direction, I think. And I mean, I love the Killers. I there's a soft spot for them in my musical heart. So I'm yeah. I'm just glad that they put out a solid record. And in terms of Foo Fighters, they put out a record called Concrete and Gold, and it's just a nice banging record. Like good solid foo fighters record. is it is it better than their last album sonic um, highways yeah yes, i was definitely. i was not a fan sonic of sonic highways, highways. yeah sonic highways was um, it was a really gimmicky album too i remember the whole the, like thing about how they were like we're gonna record a song in all these different studios yeah. around the country it was just it all came across as really well, the, gimmicky the show is really good if you go to hbo and you yeah. watch the sonic highways show it aired a, what a few years ago like three years ago no uh I think two. Yeah, so you can go back on HBO, like if you have HBO Go, and you can probably watch it. That was a pretty good show. I it's, watched a few. It's acts. actually great. Um, it makes the songs better yeah. because the songs on their own are not very remarkable. Well, the reason why they weren't good is because they wrote them in a week. They only spent yeah, exactly. a week in, in and each city. And they just tried to like capture the sound of each yeah, city. Instead of like, yeah, instead of, you know, like their own sound or something. Yeah, but it just makes for like, as a collective and an entire album, it makes it not very cohesive. Yeah. You know what album I liked more than a lot of people was Wasting Light. Oh, I really like Wasting oh, yeah. Light. That's one of their best albums. It was, yeah. It's so good. Um, the song Walk got overplayed on our local rock radio station in Tallahassee yeah. so much. So I was Shout out X1015. But yeah. it has some, like, Rope was a solid single, uh, Bridge just Bridge burning, burning was good. Yeah. White limo was went pretty hard for yeah, old Foo Fighters. That whole album just front to back. Yeah, it's a, super I think that's good. probably my like. It was their best album since Echo Silence, Patience Grace, which is actually my personal favorite Foo it's Fighters a great album. album. I know that like their like their earlier work gets more critical acclaim, but I just yeah. I love. I remember like traveling home from somewhere and I was in a plane and they had like a bunch of free albums you could listen to. It was right after Echo Silence, Patience Grace came out and I just like listened to the whole album like two straight times and I was like, Ooh. I love this album. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a solid I mean, band. Foo Fighters has a lot of albums. Yeah. They've, they've never pushed boundaries, but they've always been good. Yeah. I'd say. And this new album isn't really pushing any boundaries. Yeah, like they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not trying to bring something huge and new yeah. like like Dave Grohl did in Nirvana. Right. But they're, they're, there's nothing wrong but with see, being good at something that was already hot a the, long time ago. The thing with Dave Grohl as a songwriter is he's so good at just coming up with a good catchy hook. A nice like yeah. ringing refrain. A melody that sticks in your head. He's a classic... I've I've seen it. I don't even know if he said it or someone said it about him. But don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yeah, he's not trying to do anything experimental or crazy. Well, it almost seems like he thinks of a chorus and then he makes that the verse, and then he <laughs> thinks of something even catchier to make the chorus. It's a good point. And he's good with. He, I mean, he's good with traditional rock structure. He his songs are always going to have like verses, pre-choruses, bridges, all yeah, yeah. all bridges you know, burning. Oh oh shit. Oh. Yo, is that like about music? Oh, I, I thought it was about London Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. But it's a, it's a good album. I, I enjoy it. All right, let's get to the 
movie news this week. Do you guys know what Masterclass is? Yes. 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 For those of you out there who don't know, Masterclass is a cool new um, online service. Please sponsor us. Who <laughs> they basically I want you, free lessons. You pay like a hundred bucks to uh, pick up a master teaching you whatever their craft yeah, whatever is. And it'll be a true master. Yeah. It'll be someone whose name you know typically. So they have anything from like music production to acting. Yeah, so it's it's essentially it's a series of videos that have like assignments that come with them that you don't have to do, obviously. But if you do them, it's supposed to make you improve at, for example, Gordon Ramsay will teach you cooking. Yeah. Or Steve Martin will teach you how to perform comedy. Yeah. Or Shonda Rhimes will teach you how to write uh, for television. So this newest edition is... The great Martin Scorsese is being added yeah, to Masterclass. That's Class. a big fucking get. Yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. I'm like interested in signing up just because I want to. I want to take too. a class with Professor yeah. Scorsese. Yeah, that's like, that's wild. They have. Uh, they also have Sorkin. Yeah, for uh, screenwriting. Yeah, for screenwriting. That would be a really good one too. Yeah, my um. My aunt heard that I'm like into television and like television writing, and so she paid for me to take Steve Martin's. And I was like, I kind of want to switch to Sorkin's. Oh, for stand up, he teaches you stand up. Yeah, and I was like, I don't want to do stand up. Um, no, no, Sorkin would be the way to go. Yeah, I. So I think I'm gonna do that because I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of everything Sorkin does, but he knows how to write. He knows how to pump out a bunch of shit. That's for sure. Yeah, a um, lot of words. But it's a really cool service. It's it seems. Um, they even have like Serena Williams teaching you tennis. They have shit like yeah. that. That's yeah. Anything weird. you'd <laughs> anything you'd want to become the best at, yeah. you could I've, through masterclass. I've read reviews from people who have taken them, and they say like, I mean, the biggest knock is there's not like much incentive to do all these like yeah, but I mean, be kind of menial. But overall, it's worth doing if you have the money. For yeah, it. and something like that, like it's all about like you only learn as much as you put into it. Like if you're going to have this class, this service that you sign people up for, if you're not going to do the assignments and you're not going to try and like do all these little things to help improve your craft and you're going to come out and be like, Oh, that sucked. I didn't learn anything. Right. Yeah. But it's all about what you put into it. Yeah. And it should be something you love. You yeah, know, exactly. That, that it doesn't even feel like work. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Marty would be crazy. I know because that dude's like a freak. If I have if I have some time to spare and a quick hundred bucks to blow, I'm totally doing it. Have you guys ever seen? If you look up, you can find these photos he drew in his childhood where he was imagining directing like a uh, Troy like Roman type movie, and he like he storyboarded it when oh he was like gosh. a little kid. That's amazing. It's just it's all he's ever cared about. Yeah. Like, so he, he's a machine. So it'd be really cool to take a class from the machine. Marty Scorsese. All right, next on the old movie news list, we got James Cameron finally going into production for Ten his years later. fucking Avatar sequels. He's producing four sequels to a movie that will be 10 years old by the time this first sequel comes out. And their collective budget is how much? One billion dollars. A billion dollars. Four movies. And he's shooting them all mocap on a soundstage. How, how much... How how much do we think that these movies are going to get made? Like, are people just going to see like, just the average movie goer, like avatar Two, avatar. That sounds vaguely well, familiar. Hmm. Oh, the blue people movie that I saw once in Is theaters the 10 Disney, years ago. Disney world thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people remember it because of that, because they'll, they'll obviously market a shitload and, Avatar is so huge internationally. Oh, I'm sure it'll make a ton of money yeah, internationally. It's going to make cash, but I mean, you raise a good point that it is. I mean, it's weird that they waited so long, and I'm wondering why. Kind of. What was, what was Cameron working on? This. Is he's that been what he's... prepping this for so long? Like he's oh, yeah, been yeah, yeah. Cameron 
ever since, um, I, I don't know, the, the past 15 years or so, he's just been trying to push filmmaking technology to its limits. So yeah, he's a Avatar, big mocap guy. Yeah, Avatar kind of set the stage for all of these big mocap movies and 3D and all this shit. And I don't know what he has prepared for these sequels, but it better be fucking good because... I mean, what's the was point the of first Avatar movie a good movie? It was a good movie in the sense that it was like technically it was, yeah, it was, impressive. No, I mean, it was probably it like it was an amazing. Th- he's cinematic game changer, James Cameron. <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, I think it's like a good movie visually, but story wise, it it's stunning. Pretty lame. It's oh. honestly, is it? It's story wise, pretty lame. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> It's, it's basically just kind of a, Fern it's a rehash of Fern Gully and Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Um, so really quick, Titanic overrated or underrated? Um, I think the Titanic is about properly rated. That's probably what I was gonna have, say. It probably shouldn't have made as much money as it did, but I think that it's properly rated. It's a great movie. Yeah, I think that it it was it's been so it's been called so overrated. I don't think for you so can, long. I don't think you can call Titanic underrated though. No, I don't yeah. think anyone will call it that. But I think it's been so overrated for so long that now it's like people are kind of underappreciated in a way where like, it's like, it has value as like, a, right. it's a massive movie. Mm-hmm. Like and he it made caters it to, to like pretty much every yeah. possible audience. And he made it to be a giant box office spectacle. And it was, and it's not a bad movie either. Yeah. So it's, it's really long though. That, yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's long and there's, well, it's, the thing it, it gets Cameron sappy and it is derivative of a lot of other movies, yeah. just like all his other and movies. And she does throw the diamond into the ocean. <laughs> Overrated. Is, is that a, is that's a diamond, right? Or is it unobtainium? It's yeah, it's unobtainium. I just did a the spit James take Cinnamon right into Ernest's face. <laughs> the James Cameron cinematic universe. Yeah, it's all connected. Yeah, Terminator just walking around. Yeah. Terminator's oh gonna God. be in, av- in Avatar three. Holy crap! Okay, <laughs> they are making a new Terminator with Linda Howard and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're retconning all of the other Terminators since Judgment Day. Yeah, I've. I've heard that. And and James Cameron is going to be involved. So mm-hmm. if they decide to uh, do a cinematic universe, mm-hmm. now's that's, the time. That's how you do it. <laughs> oh, fuck. You that's get, the franchise. You get Arnold to go back to the Titanic to stop the iceberg. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the moment where James Cameron's like, fuck it. And he gets on camera. Like, I know he wants to be in his movies. Yeah. I know it. Because he's so, like, he's so, he oh, feels himself. Oh, look at himself. how great I am. And any, yeah, he's Ooh. he's feeling himself. Eventually, he's just going to be like, fuck it. And he's going to be a Navi. I'm let's calling just, it now. Let's just not forget that Avatar is the most culturally relevant film ever made. What if Unobtainium was fossil fuel? Ooh. Do you think this is a Darren Aronofsky film now? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Unobtainium <What> if- <laughs> is, is my wife's heart. <laughs> What if blue not really blue? <laughs> what if blue is all of us? What if Navi was a portmanteau of native V-American? Whoa. Pretty crazy well, stuff. Well, I guess you can say we're pretty fucking stoked for these Avatar sequels, especially the new hot young new cast. Actually, no, they're not hot. They're children. They're not hot the at all. Sexy new vixens <laughs> that are but tantalizing I, I, me. I bet. I bet. Uh, James Cameron is hoping that they'll be hot because they're <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna take this franchise on when Avatar Ten comes out. Yeah, or they'll just replace them <laughs> if he wants to be a heartless motherfucker. Yeah, 
But yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I wonder if he went to like an age progression progression specialist like Nathan did on that one episode. Of Nathan, oh for you. Is, is Sigourney gonna be an Avatar? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I was making back. sure. Everyone's coming back. I'm making sure. Even though wanna... she died in the first Avatar. You know, I haven't actually seen Avatar in like. Her character dies at the end of that movie. Movies have but... no respect for who dies. <laughs> they, even if they don't retcon, because they're not gonna say like, oh, it doesn't count. But like, they just won't count hey, it. As long as Sam Worthington's back. Most unforgettable character. I mean, how much of those billion dollars do you think is going to that original cast? I don't think most. A lot of it is going to Sam Worthington. Most I, of it. I is hope probably, it isn't. Most of it is probably going to James Cameron. I think a bunch of it's going to be st- like paying someone to stabilize James Cameron's huge head so he doesn't <laughs> fall over. That's like at least five million a year. Uh, speaking of a billion dollars, they've announced. The new episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, that was Fifteen be... million an episode. Yeah, so that's that's insane. They've also uh, announced the directors. Yeah, it's it's to... the A team of directors. Yeah, it's which all I'm really best. excited. Yeah, Sapochnik coming back doing two episodes and uh, the finale being directed by Weiss and Benioff themselves. Ooh, I don't know how I feel. Oh, about that. Well, wait, they, they, they've directed some episodes in the past before. It's not like they're like, oh, it's last season. Let's give this old directing thing a shot. Do you mean Weiss and Benioff of HBO's The Confederate? Oh, the uh, <laughs> the show about the America that uh, never was. Yeah, that coming soon to HBO. If that show gets made, I hope man, it doesn't get people made. People are not going to be happy about that. It's just maybe in a different time, yeah. but. Not, but, but I can with, tell that the, this is probably an idea they've had like for years and years, and then this whole Donald Trump shit happened, yeah. and they're just like, should we go through with it? We got really good ideas here, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even so, it's a touchy thing for two white guys to be like, I think we can handle this. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let's not really, bring anyone else We really in. need a what if of uh, <laughs> yeah. the, con- the Confederate, the modern Confederacy. But. Yeah, so Game of Thrones, final season. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a big huge. one. Um, I mean, I hope that they can. I'm hoping that the fairly mediocre to fine season of season seven, like a lot of the stuff will pay off in season eight. I hope so, yeah. I, I'm hoping that in time we'll be able to view season seven, season eight as just like one animal together, like over time. Perhaps, perhaps. Just because... All in all, season seven was really weak. I hope everyone dies in season eight. <laughs> I hope literally everyone dies. I hope the White Walkers take over. Yeah. I mean, there could be... Oh, Someone said that maybe Cersei will be the one left standing and she'll be the Queen of Ashes, how they hinted in season seven. How, you know, she's just doing everything she can to hold on to the Iron Throne. And then she's just sitting at the Iron Throne and everyone's dead. Game of Thrones are in such a tricky position now. I've, like, I feel bad for Weiss and Benioff just because they've written themselves, like, to this point where they're like, all right, we, we're heading in this direction. And at this point, it takes away all of the mystery of, like, Ooh, oh, my God, what crazy surprise is going to happen? And who's going to die next? And mm-hmm. now it's just like... We know like what's coming. This epic battle that's coming. That was the yeah. problem with season seven. Is that nothing unpredictable happens the entire season? Yeah. Here's what I think. I think the final scene is a dragon is coming in with a giant blade in its mouth, and it cuts every main character right in half at their stomach. Except guess who's not getting cut at that level? Dinklage. Oh, he get, he's, he's underneath. No, he gets literally scar. the last man standing. He gets another scar through his forehead. Yeah, he gets like a, he gets like a buzz cut. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he gets yeah, scalped. Right. You know, I think the series is gonna end. 
Hmm. It's going to be all the characters sitting down at a table together with the with the Night King, and they're going to be sitting there looking at each other. It's going to cut to black. <laughs> Soprano style. And it's, yeah, and it's hinted that like Cersei's gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> maybe someone like coughs or something, <laughs> or someone farts. Or the the Night King like opens his mouth to speak, <gasps> and then it cuts to black. Ooh, next up we got Blade Runner twenty forty nine has screened. In LA Ooh, for man. critics. And what are we Some hearing? Serious buzz. Okay, what are so we hearing? This is what I wanted to talk about. When a movie like this comes out, I mean, it happens all the time during the summer with all the big blockbusters, superhero stuff. They make it so the critics can't post online what they think of the movie. Yeah. And they give them very specific instructions as to how they need to conduct themselves when speaking about the movie online okay yeah so they they tell them like okay on this day so you have to stay completely silent until a certain day and then on this day you can tweet about it but you you but have the to, full embargo isn't actually yeah, you, up until monday yeah so monday's when we'll see actual reviews but mm. for now any rumblings people are saying it's good but apparently there's some people are saying that like they kind of chose who could see the film. Uh, none of this is confirmed, but there have been some rumors going around that like the screenings were sort of filtered to pick and choose certain People. critics that they knew mm-hmm. would say that they liked like it. Like ones that either ones that like that kind of movie or ones that they have in their back pocket. Exactly. Like, okay. And some people are saying that they were forced to sign non-disclosure agreements. To like legally bind them to not saying anything about the movie until they're allowed to do so. That's wild. So it's perfectly normal for a movie to have an embargo, and you know, like a a, a critical oh, lockdown yeah. on these reactions. Especially a movie like Blade Runner, where we're expecting crazy shit to happen mm. that's going to blow our minds. But it's it's just a little a little crazy Jeez. right now that we don't we don't know exactly yeah. what's gonna happen with this movie because some people I, I saw a headline the other day that was like Blade Runner twenty forty nine is the modern masterpiece yeah, that we've a been sci-fi waiting masterpiece. for. I'm oh like, God. what the fuck? Like, That's are you serious? Wild. Yeah, those those embargoes are like no joke. I remember yeah. one of my first like movie internet memories. I was looking around just at like stuff on the internet and I found this forum where this guy. He was like, yeah, yo, guys, I got a press pass, and they let me see the Simpsons movie. Do you guys want to hear about it? And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, well, guess what? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really serious, you guys. Like, and everyone was just, like, shitting at me, on him because he was like, yeah. no, I'm dead serious. Like, they're going to cut my head off if I tell <laughs> yeah. you. That was actually a good movie. I remember seeing that in theaters. I saw it in theaters it was, for my birthday. Yeah. With a bunch of friends. It was good. I don't have any Simpsons nostalgia. I know I need to go back and watch like Me 90s neither. Simpsons because I know those are like the golden yeah, years. Literally, but... uh, like, by the time we were kids it had been superseded by South Park and Family Guy. They mm. were they were more popular among our demographic yeah. and they had if not they had more relevant writing, if not better. Yeah. Well, back to Blade Runner, I think we should uh try to do a little prep pod next week. We should We wa- should rewatch Blade Runner. Let's this week. rewatch Blade Runner and then we'll talk about that next week because then the pod after that will be our review. Let's watch of all fifteen cuts of Blade Runner yes. and then we'll recommend which one people should watch. And th- well no, we should make our own cut. Yeah. Okay. A yes. we bought a mic cut. Yes. We'll do a only, voiceover. We'll only do a on the Harrison Ford 
kind of bordering on like sexual assault scene. Just that scene. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Have you ever seen Blade Runner, Drew? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> that scene does not age well. I, I love that movie. I love that movie. But that scene is it's yeah, yeah watching it's watching old movies can be off it can be a fucking minefield sometimes <laughs> you're like oh <laughs> oh boy that's problematic yeah. yeah are you guys do you have any interest at all to watch the uh the animated uh like anime short movies well, their prequels there are several blade runner prequel shorts three. out now three actually uh, there's one starring jared leto there's another one starring dave bautista and now there's the animated one I don't think I'm going to watch any of them until after I see the film. That's yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, yeah. I don't know. I've heard that they actually they do a good job of without actually spoiling anything about Blade Runner, providing more context of yeah. what's happening in these How are how are they received? Is it are they well um, I'm, liked? Uh, let me see if I can find it cuz um they just released the third uh, film prequel which was made by a uh, one Tanaba the who, animated uh, one. Yeah, that that's the one, and it's uh, made by the director of Cowboy Bebop. Ah. And that one's really, really well-received. It's getting some uh, really good buzz. See, I think it's called uh, Blade Runner 2022 Lights Out. I just don't really like the idea of having to watch a prelude to understand everything that's happening in the film. You know how they did that with, um, Alien, with Covenant. Alien Covenant? Yeah. yeah. If you didn't watch those prequels there were certain things that you were kind of lost on also like they they announced that the film time for blade runner 2049 is going to be two hours and 42 minutes whoa that's Sick. already that's a meaty movie oh my god you shouldn't when, have to when was the last time you saw a movie in the theaters that long uh maybe wolf, it might be never. wolf of wall street i didn't see wolf in theaters but that is that long I think I saw Wolf in Theaters. Wolf of Wall Street yeah. is longer. It's Wolf like of Wall Street is like right at three hours. Yeah. Like it's really, yeah. I mean, it's it's Denis, it's Blade Runner. I know I'm gonna love it, but two hours or two hours and forty four minutes. Whew. Woof. That's that's. You better grab some popcorn and a drink before you go into that they, one. I did yeah. see a thing that said that the the theater cut of this movie is the director's cut. Yeah, it's he didn't cut anything. He didn't want I'm, to. I'm glad Good. with that. I'm happy with that. Good because Ridley was Ridley did not approve of that theatrical cut. Yeah, that's pretty of fucked. The original Blade Runner. So yeah, I mean, overall, I've heard really good buzz. I'm trying to figure out a. I'm his so name glad is, that um, Ridley Scott did not direct this new Blade Runner movie. <laughs> I'm so happy. Ridley, yeah, he's hit and miss in yeah, his old age. I don't know if you if you ever heard me talk about this, but when he was doing interviews, when he was doing press for um, The Martian. Someone asked him, you know, the Hollywood um, reporter like roundtables that they do. Yeah, I saw one with him. Yeah. Someone asked him like, um, so really, what was the biggest challenge you faced while making The Martian? And he was like, nothing. <laughs> this, the, making, this, making this movie was so easy. That was what I was... Every, every challenge, that every obstacle I could see from 100 see, miles away. And I... he, in that in that Hollywood Reporter thing, which by the way, if we're kind of meandering this episode, that's a good thing to plug if you're into filmmaking or just film. Uh, Hollywood Reporter does these every year with uh, Emmy and Oscar nominees. They just get a bunch of directors or actors or whatever in a circle and just have them talk with an interviewer. Yeah, they're usually really, really yeah, good. Yeah, they're, they're like really an hour long. Yeah, they have like comedy Emmy people, just different categories of people. Yeah. It's really cool. There's but, a really cool one with Lin-Manuel Miranda, Damien Chazelle, and Donald Glover. Yes, it's amazing. That's so that's probably my favorite good. one that I've watched. Just that yeah. that team is incredible because yeah. they're all just like there and you can tell they're all so into each other's yeah, works. Fans. It's It's incredible. 
Yeah, just look up THR Roundtable on YouTube and you can find them. But anyway, uh, Ridley Scott in that interview came across as very arrogant when he is his output has not been that you know worthy of being. I mean, arrogant. he's a legend. Like he's made yeah, some like of the lately, best movies of all time. His recent output has not been, but incredible. he's just like like he's an old British dude who just feels like he doesn't even have to try anymore. Like he made The Martian, which is a fine movie but it's like dude like you can't find any way yeah. to be innovative or yeah or just bold or imaginative yeah. in any way like it's come on <laughs> also uh in those uh hollywood reporter things i don't know if they still have him but they they used to have this weird british interviewer guy with the guy with the brown hair the skinny guy and he was so off-putting and like so like like bdi that sometimes the uh the directors would like call him out on it and they'd be like why are you grilling us this is like a fun conversation <laughs> yeah and that makes um, for me that makes it yeah. more fun to watch. yeah i love it because <laughs> they're like what the fuck is up with this weirdo he's, he's like a weird butler that kills you <laughs> <laughs> one other thing with uh blade runner 2049 that i'm really hoping for is uh the cinematography is getting a ton of really positive buzz and I mean, this could finally be the year that roger deakins wins an oscar yeah, ah. never the, won an Oscar before. One of the great sig- cinematographers. He's been nominated so many times. Nominated. He did for sh- thirteen Oscars, yeah, but shit. never won. He's done Shawshank. Fuck you, Leo. He's done so much. Yeah, he did No Country for Old Men. No right? Country for, Fargo. Yeah, yeah. Um, great cinematographer. I Prisoners. He's I, worked. So he's worked with Denis before and stuff. I bet. I'm calling it now. I bet he gets it. That's. I mean, he's due. And if it has great cinematography. Yeah. Who knows how much more he's going to do. I mean, from the shots on the trailer, it looks spectacular. Is Emmanuel Lubezki coming out with a film this year? (laughs) Emmanuel Lubezki won three Oscars for uh, cinematography back-to-back. Wow. It was Gravity, um, The Revenant, Mm -hmm. and Birdman? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I knew that there was some uh, Inuri 2 in there. Yeah. Like two Inuri 2. Yeah. I mean, very well-deserved, but like... Three back to back to back. It's That's crazy. crazy. They, I mean, the Oscars has a history of if someone's kind of due for it, they'll give it to you, even if that's not your best thing. Like kind of like Leo. Yeah. Not necessarily his best thing he's ever done, but he Definitely was kind of due for a fucking Oscar. I, so wait, they gave quick it to thing. Him. What are, What are y'all's thoughts on the Revenant? Um, I, I think it's really boring. liked it. I think it's boring. Did you see it in theaters? Um. No, dude. <laughs> I know it's a theater movie. Holy like, crap. <laughs> okay, I'll say the first half of it's really good. The shots are really impressive in it, but it's way too long, and it just like the second, like the middle half of that movie, middle third, I guess, is just it's drags so uh, yeah, long. And and there's I'm a struggling. lot of there's a lot of sequences that's Leo just like give me an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> look, I'm cold. <laughs> look it's at this. so cold. Look at my beard. <laughs> <laughs> But I really enjoyed that movie. I actually, I got to see that film in New York City at the Lincoln Square AMC, which is a beautiful, beautiful theater with very good projection, awesome screens. And I got there kind of late, so I had to sit in the front. Um, But seeing The Revenant on a big screen, it's just one of these movies that just absolutely envelops you. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous cinematography where you're just in the world. You feel the cold. It's absolutely yeah. Incredible. It's just I I like I bought the Blu-ray of it and that was how I watched it and I wish I would have gotten a chance to see it in theaters. But what's sad is like something like Birdman is just like an incredibly like beautiful looking movie and I'm sure it looked amazing seeing it in theaters. I didn't see that in theaters either. But yeah, it also has a great either. script, really great acting in it, and it's something that like you can still watch and 
love without seeing a big screen. Yeah. Birdman mm. lost to Spotlight at the Oscars, didn't it? No, Spot. I feel like Spotlight was the year after. No, I'm pretty sure. No, no. Birdman lost to Spotlight for Best Picture. Yeah. I don't think because that was it was the year picture. it was the year of Spotlight, Birdman, and Boyhood. Yeah. Spotlight was a really good movie, but I don't think it deserves Best Picture. I think yeah. it's just one of those stories that's like hits you. Yeah, in the, the story is great. Like the chest. property that they obtained was great. Yeah, but like the movie itself, it's not like I think it's good. It's but yeah, it's a good it's movie. It's definitely good. good acting. I would recommend Ruffalo, it. But like Best Keaton, Picture, yeah. holy shit! It's not a movie. I, it's not a movie they like. I've seen it once. And well, I feel and like I don't really need to see. So it's right. it it's the nature of the story, but it's not like a visually remarkable movie. I just know Ruffalo is amazing in Spotlight. He's great. Yeah. He has his great Oscar scene, which is one the of the great the Oscar kids. scenes. Yeah. <laughs> of him just at a table, banging on the table. What if I had a daughter? They'd fuck her. <laughs> That's not an exact quote. So you should still <laughs> watch direct it. Direct quote. That's not an exact He's right. Drew Dietzen wrote the script of Spotlight. Yeah. Um, my opinion on The Revenant is I was too high when I saw it. I don't really remember it that much. Hey, um, which is a topic do, that's you don't worth, really remember. We don't condone it. drugs on this. It's podcast. worth bringing up. Watch movies sober, you guys. You yeah. want to remember what you saw, unless it's The Force Awakens. Then see it tripping acid. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine. did Oh, that. okay. Yeah, a friend of mine did that for Avengers Two, and it made it a lot better. Yeah, unless you're watching Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, <laughs> that's an odd one. That's that's an odd. If you're one. watching Mad Max Fury Road, take as many drugs as you can possibly no, take, get your hands. I on. I mean, there's a certain drug for every movie. For Mad Max, meth. <laughs> do meth. For for Wolf of Wall Street, do blow. Do a bunch yeah, of fucking no. Blow. You do crack for Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> yeah. with with uh, Jonah Hill yeah. in the bathroom. You take some take some lewds. That's Wait. that would be actually a really funny thing to do. Is take the drugs when they do. <laughs> My God, <laughs> in Wolf of Wall Street, like it's like a scratch and sniff movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you're doing. You're drugs. like, oh, this is the scene where he does coke yeah. out of a girl's butthole. Yeah, Just, like, like all right, training all right, day. bro, roll over. <laughs> like like for, you go to a screening of Training Day and they give you what they tell you is weed, but it's actually PCP. Just <laughs> Just like what happened to Ethan Hawke, he thought oh it was weird. That's yeah. PCP. That's that. I'm gonna write that down in my theory of in my uh, folder. Of That'll I'm be not the next do. 4DX experience. Yeah, that's That'll the next be how free, you, free drugs. Yeah. That's uh, how you get people to go to the movies. Yeah. Yes. Attention. That's how you get people to pay sixty dollars for a ticket to see a movie. I'm, go, I'm gonna send a copy of our pod to AMC and Dolby Execs. Dolby, <laughs> and they're gonna steal this for money. <laughs> So, what drug would you guys do while playing Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront 2? Good transition. Um, Are you talking about the PS2 Star Wars Battlefront 2? Or the new one. Either one. Oh, that's not as fun. Although, I am... I, I got... Because, let's be honest, the first Star Wars Battlefront was really disappointing. The, all the in all. EA, yeah. Yeah, just because the one, the of... Remake. It's just... It's like the ultimate... It, it, you look at it and it's just like the epitome of EA just being a shitty company and being like, sweet, you just paid $60 for a new game. You have three maps. Oh, you want the other five maps? You have to pay, dollars. yeah, $30. Yeah. There's a, I saw a good analogy that about how DLC should be handled. It should be like, oh, a lot of companies treat it like, okay, here's half of a pie for $60. If you want the rest, you should pay. What it should be is here's a whole pie. If you want more... Then yeah, you can pay, right. but you don't need more because you already it, have everything used you need. To be like that, exactly. And so EA came around and they were like, you know what? We can charge people a hundred dollars for a game. More and more game companies are starting to do that now, which is really sad. Like especially, I just bought Two K eighteen on the Switch. Shout out to Nintendo. Yo, give me sponsor our shit. Give me more Switches. Um, and it's a really fun game. Is that but the I'm main getting, thing that you want from Nintendo it, is yes, more Switches. I want more Switches <laughs> so I can play with myself. Okay. Um. 
No, but 2K18 is a really fun game, but it's getting a ton of shit because they've really, really upped the necessity. Not necessity, but if you want to like be good immediately, you have to pay money yeah. through the virtual console. Like It's virtual currency. The VC has become so required, it takes about... 20 or 30 dollars to get your player up to like 85 that overall. fucking sucks and which i mean i i don't really mind because i like playing like games like that with a my career because i like the grinding in a game like that mm. but for a lot of people who don't have time and stuff like that like it sucks you can't really do that that's the benefit of having a switch is i can just take it <laughs> okay. with me on the go like sneak a little game in here and there like it's it's not as big of a deal for me but more and more companies are just going that route and it's sad yeah the worst is uh for online oriented games like with call of duty if you don't if you're in a lobby with all your friends you guys are just playing you know you probably for hours you're just playing like together if you don't have the newest map pack and everyone else does you just get kicked out if if a game is on mm -hmm. that map yeah so you need it or else you literally can't do it um and that that was like the origin of like needing the dlc because you kind of did but from the looks of it on this new um battlefront it seems like they're really at least trying to learn their lesson it looks i mean they didn't they haven't fixed everything that i wanted the biggest thing that i wanted was galactic conquest but i've just accepted That's not gonna we're happen, never gonna yeah. get galactic conquest but they did bring back split screen which is awesome well there was a split screen but mode. it looks like more of like a classic battlefront yeah. style of split screen the, the thing is though is ea knows that people are gonna buy a star wars video game like it's Star Wars, so they don't really have to try. Yeah, so they don't have to try. But at least this new one has a um, story campaign that seems to be worth the time and money. And I mean, how could I not want to play a video game where you're in the Star Wars universe, shooting bad guys, listening to that John Williams score? Like I will, the best thing about the, the sound first, effects. Oh the best thing about the first uh, battlefront, first EA Battlefront game that came out a few years ago was that the score it's it's perfect. Like yeah. you like start to go into battle and like the score just escalates. It's, like yeah. it awesome sound design in that game. Yeah, it's just a little frustrating because it's so different from what you were used to in the original yeah i'm uh, glad that they did put some games. kind of uh it looks like more of a meaty kind of a single player in this one yeah um yeah. that actually looks kind of interesting about like being in the time in between the last jedi and the force awakens or not the last jedi the <laughs> the of uh, the final jedi the return <laughs> the of return the, of the jedi the return of the last one <laughs> the jedi was gone but now he's back in the force awakens the revenge of the ewoks <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I always, like, my biggest thing is just going to want Galactic Conquest, because I just remember spending hours and hours yeah. by myself and with friends whenever they come over. We'd stay up until, like, four or five in the morning, just, like, playing Galactic Conquest together, and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how this new one does. Uh, I'll probably pick it up, unless we do hear that EA has swindled us again into, you know buying a mediocre game so i'll probably wait a little bit i usually do with video mm. games just to hear the word of mouth did you guys yeah. used to play those harry potter quidditch games oh yeah yeah i had day? one on I think a there PS2. was only one were there multiple i don't know i just had the one I yeah think well then there was, was yeah it was just did, quidditch world cup did you play it yeah yeah it was, yeah, a fun, sure it was dope i played i had my friend had it and I would it was play the it original lot. fifa for me <laughs> okay 
<laughs> Quidditch is the original soccer. Guys, we need to get back into FIFA. What are we doing? Honestly, you know, FIFA 18 comes out. I think it's out like today. Oh my god! Yeah, FIFA podcast. Do you guys want to like, leave it. right now? <laughs> go play yeah. FIFA. What are we doing? Let's let's, let's fire take a up break. The old, let's take a break. Play some FIFA 2010 World Cup. Let's yeah. fire up the old uh, X. Uh, what was it FIFA? Yeah, what, the, 2010 World yeah, Cup. 2010 World yeah, 2010 World Cup. Yeah. That was the only thing we did when we were eight, 18 and 19 in our dorm room. It's just getting bledged. Yeah, if you guys like cool guys, <laughs> you should have been there. Do you FIFA, just want to like, grow videos. out with us? Yeah, we watched Kyle Mooney videos and we played FIFA. <laughs> you guys should have been there. I missed you. All right. Um, but speaking what else of did Star you want to... Speaking of Star Wars oh. and our boy JJ, you guys heard the latest news about a project he's attached to? Oh, this this just came out today. Yeah, it just came out. Um, yeah. He's attached to a, a Japanese movie that came out uh, last year, yeah, like late last year. Yeah, it was a huge hit. I never got around to seeing I it. I really want to see it. I've heard that it's like an anime Freaky Friday called Your Name. Oh, man. Which... I'm not really sure why this is getting made into an English version, except for it's Hollywood taking yeah. a is foreigner's it, thing. Is it going to be white people? The reason why I put it, I just put it on our show notes here as J.J. Abrams to make your name, but with white people. Yeah. Because I think that that's pretty much it. Good chance that with at least, real white at people. At least some of the characters will probably be whitewashed. I mean, this is like, it's still like really, really early news, like yeah. stuff like this. This and the next thing this that we're going to say is. I hadn't heard of this movie, so I looked it up. It is the highest grossing film to ever come out of Japan. Yeah. It made over. No, it was, it was massive. It made over 300 million last year. Uh, it held the top spot in Japan for 12 weeks. Uh, so damn. You Actually, know. uh, Joey, friend of the pod, said that it was his favorite film of last year. I've heard amazing uh, things about it. Like, I really, it's like it's out on Blu-ray and stuff now. I need to just pick it up and watch it. Um, it'll probably be better than the JJ version. I'm sure. When has there ever been a like? When has Hollywood ever made a better version of an anime? An original, yeah. You know? No, it's no never, never happened. Let's just watch the anime and talk about it on the pod. Oh, I mean, I'm fine with that. Let's do it. Then, speaking of very early news, and this is probably even too early a report because this is a film that's been in the works for years, like probably a decade at this point. It's uh, Cleopatra. So The latest, latest name attached to it is Blade Runner's own Denis Villeneuve. Is this the film that had Angelina Jolie attached to it to play Cleopatra? Oh my god! It's had so many people, like well, like so many filmmakers attached. I know Fincher was. They could at least get like Gal Gadot. I'm pretty sure that uh, Angelina has been trying to get it made for a while, but she couldn't decide on a on a director because she's like lead producer on it. Wait, you mean Angelina Jolie, director of Salt, right? (laughs) As she's most well known, director of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh. Did she get the kids, or did Brad get the kids? <laughs> that's that's the real that's news the real here. Question. We Mike. That's what we're trying to find uh, out. The real Brad's, Brad's too busy shopping for beanies. Brad's too busy building houses in New Orleans. He's still saving them from Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, and all his kids are just like alone in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if Cleopatra can get made with a cinematic game changer. James Cameron attached to it, which he also once was. Then, yeah. who knows if this movie will ever be made? There was a whole drama with this film back when um, the Steve Jobs movie was getting made, because I think um, this was Sony. I think Sony is trying to make this film. Yep, it's and, a Sony picture, and they were fighting over directors with Sorkin's um, Steve Jobs movie. 
So Angelina Jolie and Sorkin were basically like doing a tug of war with the, like Fincher and Nolan and um, Cameron, Cameron, and all these big names that they were trying to get onto their mm-hmm. projects. And I guess you know, two, three years later or whatever, they decided on. Mm-hmm. Denny. I mean, I think that it's cool. I hope that. Well, is this official? Is, it's did he, no, no, did no, he no. sign I mean, on? He hasn't officially oh, signed rumored? on. It's just, it's like heavily rumored at this oh, point. Okay. It's um, kind of like the Taika Waititi thing. Yeah, it's with, like uh, one of those things. Akira. It's probably even too early to talk about because yeah. it could shuffle through names and yeah. up and even, nobody by and the time even it if comes he out. does sign on maybe they'll just end up firing him just like Disney does. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, I'm just happy to see it for Denis that he's now becoming like one of the major like yeah. go to guys. Yeah, a in guy Hollywood. you go to for a guy big who's things. created like just some incredible, incredible movies over Gosh. the past few years and now he's finally starting to get recognition after last year's arrival and now Blade Runner coming yep. out. I'm hopefully, so excited for Hopefully Blade they Runner. do it justice because I was just thinking about what if they did live action Miyazaki remakes and I would fucking hate that. You know? Well the thing with me those Miyazaki movies, the Studio Ghibli stuff, like those films only work in animation. Exactly. Yeah. You can't make speci- Spirited Away yeah. live no, action. Fuck. Exactly. It would be egregious. So hopefully this movie is more adaptable than those. Because Wait, are you talking about your name or I'm Cleopatra? Talking, no, I'm talking about your name. My bad. Okay. All right. <laughs> Stepping back a second. What the fuck is Cleopatra? <laughs> you know, based on the on the uh, on historical the anime. Oh, okay. Uh, I got gotcha. Because life was uh, animated back in... Egyptian times. And then white people came along. And yeah. Yeah. So what was the last thing you want to get to <laughs> before finally, we take a break? I, uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, the trailer for Isle of Dogs. Yeah, Wes I, Anderson don't, film. I don't like to watch trailers, but I saw oh a little God. snippet Did of you it. See it. I saw yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's really good. It I'm looks really good. excited for it. Uh, some people are complaining about the stop motion in it, but I like it. Dude, like Wes Anderson Wait, movies, what they're are they quirky. complaining about? They probably I've don't like, like stop motion. What yeah, I've just fuck? I've heard that it looks shitty and people are like, oh, it looks like it's gonna annoy me and stuff like that. I mean if that And by people I mean Colin. Oh my god, <laughs> that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, funny. but I, I'm really excited for it. I love Grand Budapest Hotel. I think it's like one of the best yeah. looking movies that I've seen. He has a he has a lot of the best mo- looking movies. I've oh yeah, seen. I mean you can tell there's just attention to detail and everything. Yeah. And I mean Isle of Dogs sounds a lot like I love dogs. Oh, Definitely oh, intentional. Because everything Wes Anderson does is intentional. That's wild. You know, Brett and I were talking the other day about what our favorite Wes Anderson films are. And what it's, is it? it's tough to pick one. I, like, I wanted to say Grand Budapest, but I love Life Aquatic so much. Too. Life Aquatic is great. And the Royal Tenenbaums. Like, I think Rushmore. It's between yeah, Rushmore and uh, Grand Budapest. You know so what? many good ones. You know what flies under the radar? Bottle Rocket. You guys oh, never that, seen Bottle that, Rocket? Yeah. Actually, that, it's, isn't yeah. that a short film? No, it's a feature. It's I think it may be based on a short that he also oh, okay. did, but it's Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson in the nineties. Yeah, because they Fucking... both went. They all went to um, University of Texas in Austin. Fuck, That's where they met. It's such a funny movie. Like it's definitely Wes Anderson's funniest movie. Um, and it's it's like I don't know. I watched it and it made Napoleon Dynamite make a lot more sense. Where it's like oh, oh yeah. he just saw Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Like. It is. It's very stylized in that type of way. Um, if you like Napoleon Dynamite, you would like Bottle Rocket. Right. Um, but yeah, it flies under the radar because it's from like '96 or also, something. Also, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually I've never I've never seen all of Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I know. It was a movie that like I I think it was on Netflix or something. I like put it on, but I was sleepy and I fell asleep during He's it. But sleepy it's boy. pretty good. Sleepy boy. That out of all his movies, that I would say that that one is the 
the one that's a bit too cutesy for me. Yeah. It's it's just a bit too like oh I'm, quirky quirky. Yeah, Life we're gonna aquatic, run away. Hey, Life we're, Aquatic we're gets away. a lot of shit for it being like too quirky and everything, but I love it's the way so that good. that movie looks and just the story behind it. Like yeah. you can't go wrong with Bill Murray. Yeah, like, yeah. you just can't and go wrong. Also, with him. Life Aquatic was before we knew all Wes Anderson's like little things. Yeah. So you know, just them doing like a you know a quick montage of supplies yeah. <laughs> and just <laughs> he loves that shit <laughs> so much. <laughs> just like montages of like oh I have my book, my notebook, my pen. Like, yeah, and the whole set that they built for the uh, for the boat, how they it was like a half like a cutout of a boat, and the camera just oh, pounds yeah. around this entire that is like, so cool the a boat just cut in half. That's an incredibly cool movie. Incredible set design. I mean, the thing that has me excited the most for uh, I Love Dogs is the cast. The cast is all star. Let me just pull out some of the names. Just we got Ed Norton, Bill Ooh, Murray, Cranston. Tilda Swinton, Cranston, Jeff Goldblum, Yoko Ono. <laughs> what? Scarjo. <laughs> Yoko's gonna be a screaming dog. Live Shriver. It's 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 an all star. Yeah, cast. I thought that it came out this There's year. There's a lot more people, but on it here. doesn't come out till 2018. Should be good. Have we talked about it on the pod before? Isle of Dogs, no. Okay, so essentially it's about it's based on a real life story to an extent where it was is it the seventies that this actually happened? It was the seventies or the eighties. The um leader, the emperor of Japan, uh I don't know if he's an emperor, that might be bad to presume. <laughs> but he, Yeah, I think I think the last emperor of Japan was during World yeah, War Two. They just they had an issue in dec- in Japan with weight like overpopulation of dogs in the streets, and so he issued a decree to send off like so many of these dogs to a trash island off the coast of Japan. I didn't realize this was based on a true story. It is. It's based wow. on a real thing that happened. And so the movie is going to be that. I mean, that's where the, you know, relation ends because the movie is about these dogs are obviously talking and anthropomorphic. Right. Um, and it's about their plight on this trash island. So it was back when dogs could talk. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. back in those days. Oh, back when dogs were clay. Yeah. All right, um, Anubis is being very annoying. I think he wants to go out. So we're going to take a break. Anubis needs to take a little potty break. And we'll be back to talk about what we've been watching. We'll be right back after these messages. We'll be bop bop. I definitely put I think so. I think you blacked out on the toilet while typing it. Yeah. (laughs) I came and just lost all. And we're back. We bought a mic. 
Uh, I like the idea of using like the cut back in at the worst possible moment for someone, like to make them look as bad as possible. Yeah, I came on the toilet the and then steamy shit, yeah. and then I came. It's like in uh, they came together when they're coming into the room, and she's like, "Yeah, so he ate me out, and I came in like a second. Okay, I gotta go. Bye, Dad. <laughs> Good stuff. So we're talking what we're we've been watching. Um, let's start with Halt and Catch Fire. The season four, final season on AMC of this great show. Haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah, so <laughs> let's let's backtrack a little bit. Last time we talked about the show on the pod, um, we were starting to see the beginning of this rivalry between the main characters because they're basically choosing sides building the same platform, yeah. which is and essentially Google. This show... Essentially, every season, they just kind of reshift who is rivals with one another. Yeah. Because these people are always fighting with each other, but it's just... It's I mean, always, they have such a toxic relationship with yeah. each other. That's what makes it's always a different, so interesting. Yeah, it's always a different combo of who's on whose side. Yeah. So, at this point, um, we're at episode six, which Hunter and I have seen, but Drew hasn't. Um, oh, I saw, f- I saw five, though. Up to five. That's what really matters. But last, last time we talked about it on the episode, I think we didn't even talk about four so up until this so to to sort of recap four and five basically what's gone down is they've found this success it sort of skipped forward in time a little bit and they found success each with their respective uh search engines so team gordon has Comet, named after his daughter Haley. Yeah, Haley's who, Comet, who is a major contributor to the search engine. It was her idea. So yeah. Gordon has his daughter on his side, which is a big chip in the game against his wife Donna, Donna, who's running the competitor, which is Rover. Yeah, and at this point in the show, Donna is like a huge CEO, and she's like a like t- like you know the shit. And uh, Gordon is like he's doing well, especially considering his brain damage. Yeah, he's doing really well for himself, but he's like Donna is like the head honcho of her uh, company. Yeah, and the the thing with the whole brain condition is they had they hadn't even touched upon they yeah. didn't even hint at it until yeah. episode five. Every time we've watched it, we're just waiting. Like I want him, yeah, I want him to like stumble. It's like scoot, scoot. <laughs> it's just well, I mean, it's just because I don't want it to be used as a plot device. I mean, there like, was the great episode all the way back in season two, mm. um, or was it was it three? There where was, he spe- he's gets lost in the parking garage. I think that was two. I think that was... Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember if that was two or three. Of course, season three ends with him collapsing through a TV. Yeah. Yeah. See, it had such a huge impact on his life for so long. And then in se- there's a time jump, and then the new season is just gone. So we've just been waiting for it, and we finally get a little taste of it. Yeah. It's just a quick little bit, because yeah. Scoot now has... A new woman. Oh shit! Oh yeah. oh oh! Ladies Fellas. man, Scoot McNary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a girl and tween heartthrob. Oh my god, Anubis! Calm down. <laughs> um, it's but- just a, a girl that that works for his company, and basically he has her over at the house. She's getting along with his daughters, and she spots him almost writing something down in his symptoms journal. Mm-hmm. Because we they had set up uh, earlier in the show that he needs to keep track of any time that he feels any discomfort or you know negative symptoms of his degenerative brain disease. Yeah, and so he yeah he's had the notebook and we hadn't seen it the whole season and so now he finally reveals it's still going on. He's like separated from where his family and his girlfriend are because he's sitting in this chair 
and he's listening to audio of himself. Yeah, basically the Scoot podcast. Yes, yeah, Scoot re- doing like you said, Scoot doing ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> he recorded so himself. <laughs> yeah, um, just to calm himself down. Yeah, and then she she kind of prods him about his illness. You know, she's like, "So, like, is there any pattern to it? Does it make it worse?" And he's like, "Yeah, one time I looked for a pattern, and it was just like chasing the dragon. There's really nothing, and, yeah. and it made it worse." And then at, at the end of this whole exchange, he ends up burning. He gets out like a whole drawer full of journals that he's written on his symptoms and in kind of a symbolic moment he burns all of them yeah which that was a big moment yeah and i'm kind of i haven't seen the newest app so correct me if anything like there was no development okay so i took that to mean i mean if i'm guessing with the way the show goes i think he's going to try to be in denial of his illness because he's dating a very you know young girl and it's kind of like an old thing to have dementia yeah um and he's you know he's just living his life now and so i think he's going to kind of try to be in denial that he has this. And I think that's going to exacerbate his symptoms and he's going to get worse. Because I totally of that. agree. It and, seemed and like the it fact was that up. he's burning them. It means that it's going to be bad. It yeah. seemed like big setup for like a, a come down. It's, for it's Scoot, really going to, which come is back. what we've been waiting for. I just don't, I mean, I kind of haven't liked that. It was just totally gone because that kind of goes into the territory that the show atypical on Netflix ran into in which the main character's autism was largely just a plot point. Which yeah. is kind of disrespectful to people with the disease. Yeah, I hope it doesn't come down to that. I don't think that it will, just because it wasn't like something that was either brushed right under the rug and they never acknowledged again. And also, it isn't something that's just going to suddenly come out where, in like season, in like episode nine this season, he's just going to collapse and he's going to be like, "Oh man, remember that brain thing yeah. I had two seasons ago?" Like, that's that's why I'm glad that they finally addressed it yeah. and they, they show they had to set yeah, it up and they show with all that drawer full of notebooks that he is. It's been a part of his life. He hasn't. It hasn't just been gone. Yeah. Like he's been dealing with we've, it. We've skipped forward yeah. like several years. Yeah. So that was a good acknowledgement. And I think that it's it it also like it it's very realistic to imagine that like just kind of this whole thing where he's just trying to deny that he even has this. Yeah. Yeah, It speaks a lot to his character because he's in complete denial about it because he still views himself as this genius who has all these ideas and he doesn't want to think about his own mortality. The the disease can like go away for a while and he can feel on top of the world because he hasn't had any big symptoms and then it can all come back to bite him. And as he said, stress makes it worse. So guess what happens when seasons start mounting stress on the characters I mean, all these plot points are going to get bigger and bigger. His yeah. issue, his issue with his wife, his issue with Joe, he, yeah. it's going to come back. Yeah, so I, I will say I'm not going to say die. anything about episode six since you haven't seen it yet. But it's a really big Donna episode. It is a big Donna episode, mm. but they also touch on this big theme that I want to talk about, and that it, I feel like it's going to be a, a theme not just for the season, but just the show in general. This whole idea of we like people you know, the characters, us humans being different people as we get older and as we change, mm-hmm. are we different people as we evolve? Mm-hmm. Do we change? Or are we always the same person, no matter how old we are, how old or young we are? So there's this recurring idea, especially in the, in the sixth episode of the characters viewing themselves as different people because they've gotten older and because they're, you know, looking at themselves as, as wiser, more mature, or more powerful. But are they really different people? Or, or is are it they... just like sides? Yeah. Other, like, I mean, yeah. when you have a personality, you're not just one note, one exactly. trait. These characters are so, they've gotten so fleshed out and dynamic over these seasons that 
Donna can be viewed as a bitch. She can also be viewed as a woman who had to fight and claw her way into power. Yeah. And she has motivations. And deep down, it she it comes down to her about like her children. Yeah. But she gives a fantastic uh, speech at like the dinner table in either episode two or three of this season. Yeah, I talked. Yeah, I talked about that scene and how it was like a perfect scene. It was right. maybe the best scene of the season for me so far. It was really good, and and just shows you how complex Donna is as a character and how far she's come to get yeah. to where and she that, is. Yeah, and it adds a lot of depth because the way that she's portrayed this season can be pretty harsh. She's like, brutal. She gets a lot of episodes where she has almost no redemption for yeah. the audience. So it relies on the fact that you know where she's yeah. from. And, you know what she's been through. And I don't I don't want to spoil anything for Drew, but there are hints to Donna being an alcoholic. Whoa. So, oh, you know, there have been actually several. Yeah, so it's not like she is in this totally high point of power and and just being this untouchable uh, opposing force to yeah. scoot and, and his team like she has demons yeah they set that up either the last episode or the one before where uh they're gonna go do like girls night out like her and her daughter and she and just she, wants to drink yeah she's inside yeah. with a glass of wine and she's just like i don't know yeah so it, it's it just shows you how even while evolving the character and finding a, a way to turn her into the antagonist she doesn't become one note well she i mean yeah she got put under a lot of stress all at once and alcohol is a coping thing for that so it Mm -hmm. makes sense for the character it's not just like a thing they put in there it makes a lot of sense episode six also has one of my favorite moments which i won't say exactly what it is but it's something that a character says that you hear it the first time and it's very touching and moving and then it's repeated again and it has a totally different connotation oh, to yeah. it. It's it's excellently done. Like bravo to the writers. That's fun. It's a, that. it's a, it's an incredible episode. Yeah, it's it's real. I mean, episode five was great too. Also, we got to see Cam yeah. reunited with her ex husband. That was an interesting scene. That, and yeah. I remember Drew and I watched that together, and we thought that it was going to go bad just by seeing him. Because you see Tom come back and you're like, wait a second, why is he even here? Yeah. He's supposed to be in Japan. And, well, yeah, and that's what the show tends to do. They tend to do like love, will they, won't they, like they yeah. did, now they're not. And uh, I, and obviously her character is so incredibly indecisive. Yeah. She's the mo- She's by far the most self-destru- self-destructive yeah, character it's, on it's that It's frustrating at this point where just every time things are going well, she does something. And in that whole up. scene, she was being so into him. It's like, dude. She's he's here to divorce you. He yeah. cheated on you and you're still being she cheated all, like, on, googly him eye on him with Joe. Yeah, it's speaking of her and Joe. Like there is a lot of friction going on between them, which we all knew that was coming. Cameron helped uh, Donna with her algorithm for mm-hmm. Rover and she didn't tell Joe. Yeah. And this was also without Donna knowing until yeah. episode five. Yeah. So um, basically Boz came to her for help and he just de- and she decided to do it on one condition that it was a one time thing. Yeah. And that he wouldn't approach her again. And Boz, by the way, is a fucking snake now. Oh my god. It's crazy his mm. arc. Like he he used to be so incredibly likable. Um, well, well he, he got himself in a bad yeah, deal. He, started, he lost like almost half a million dollars. Yeah. Initially he was unlikable and he he was supposed to be kind of a foil character and then they they morphed him into this like smooth southern old ugly guy that you just like you root for. And he's a fatherly character. Yeah, and then to, all of a sudden uh, he, and then he all of a sudden he's out of money and he becomes something completely different. Um I mean he's he's and it's all within, desperate. Yeah, and it's all within the realm of possibility. It's like his character arc especially I really like. Yeah. Um 
because he's good with people and he's good. His job was to kind of snake people. And and in episode five, it comes to a head when he Donna is hounding him because she finds out that he basically lied to her and that he had someone build that algorithm that wasn't part of the team. She doesn't yeah. know it's Donna, but then his heart gives out. Yeah. And he, he has a fucking heart attack, doesn't die, no, but collapses. And you just think like, wow, like Boz is... Boss is not doing well. Yeah, that was it. Really, I mean, it, it like you said, it came to a complete head. It came to its natural conclusion, and now he's gonna have to. He's gonna obviously be changed at post heart attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. his whole, you know, everything around him is gonna be different. Um, yeah. This, uh, I mean, this also uh, speaks into another thing that we were talking about earlier with Donna's relationship with her children. That I'm so glad that with this time jump, we were able to see actual characters developed for these kids because. Wow, they're really starting to flesh out, especially Haley. I'd like to see a little bit more from um, Ju- Judy. Um, jo- okay, so Haley Joni. is the jo- the younger girl. Mm-hmm. Joni is the older girl. Yeah, I think we may have Joni, gotten that mixed up. Before. Joni is like more like her mother, and she has more of that rebellious nature, of course. And yeah. Haley is just like her dad. She just wants to write code and come up with these ideas for web designs and stuff like that. And there's everything is starting to come together with these dynamics and just really showing that these characters between Gordon and Donna, like they're not good parents. Like they're at this point, they're both financially well off because they've made enough money through yeah. their businesses and everything, but they're not good parents. And it's really starting to show with these well, kids. Especially Donna, because Donna has that moment with Joni in episode six where Joni's trying to, tell her how she's doing in school and something mm-hmm. that she's excited about. She's like looking into studying abroad and, and she just totally Donna's brushes like, it off. Yeah. And... Donna's like drinking wine, playing a video game and has yeah. absolutely no interest in hearing what her daughter is saying. It's, it's really, it's really sad watching it. But the thing is with Gordon is you can tell like he's, he's trying, but he's trying too hard to just like go by the books yeah. on something like that when he hasn't realized that Haley is like, a super genius and she doesn't need to just be like going to school and doing like yeah, regular basically kid stuff. wasting her time in yeah. school when she can be like building literal Google. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. All right. Uh, so you guys want to move on to the new Rick and Morty? Yes. So Rick and Morty episode nine, the penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. This was a good really, one. Really, really good episode. Yeah. Finally, this we is... get we get a peek into Beth's dark past with Rick as her dad. Yeah. You knew it was going to be pretty I mean, fucked up. They've hinted at it. They've touched on it slightly before, but this devotes this the entire episode to it. Yeah, we finally time. got a Beth ep. Beth yeah. and Rick. Um, so essentially, they go back into an imagination realm that uh, Rick had created for her to play in when she was a kid. And she finds out that... Uh, a kid that she knew who was murdered was actually not murdered. And he was just like in this imagination. Yeah, he land. was stuck there. Yeah. He for was years. He was stuck there. Decades. And meanwhile, this kid's own father is about to be executed for his murder. Uh, so it's, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty heavy plot, but it's a funny episode, but it, and it really <laughs> like, it really delves into like, maybe Beth didn't really fall that far from the tree from Rick. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean she's, she, yeah. she has the same kind of dark sociopathic type of thoughts, like right. even in her childhood. Yeah. That Rick did. And they connect with that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I mean, she ends up saying like, I have no more excuses to not be like, to not like myself or not be what I want to be. So who am I? I mean, this goes into, uh, 
spoilers, I guess. I mean, whatever, we're describing the plot of what happens. But it, I really love the way that this episode leaves off. Oh, where yeah. It leaves it very open because exactly. it gives her this option of, all right, then you can either stay here and be a parent or I can make a clone of you yeah. who will behave and act exactly like you and you're free to go like explore yeah. the universe. Because Yeah, yeah because uh, she had been talking about her identity crisis and she – you know, she's acknowledged at this point in her life that Jerry was a mistake. And therefore, we don't really know how she feels about her children. Like, she she's said yeah. before, they had the whole episode where they grappled with what their lives would be like without their kids. I mean, she definitely loves Summer because that's her first kid. You know, yeah, she she loves them, the oldest, she, the oldest kid, Morty, maybe not. It's just it's been acknowledged like they almost aborted Summer and then Morty was just like, a you know, this as Summer said once, you're not the cause of your parents misery. You're a symptom of it. Right. Um. So they played with her not being super into the kids before. So it yeah, she, he ends up just being well, you could just instead of starting new, like with no Jerry, but still having this whole life, you could just start completely new. Yeah. And everything will be fine here. Like, I'll make a clone that also, will do everything. she is an alcoholic, just like her father. Oh, yeah. And she, she realizes, like, I think this episode, she finally just accepts the fact that she is just like her father. Yeah. And yeah. she owns because it. Because this whole season, this whole time, she's just been waiting on, like, an apology. And Rick is basically just like, I, what am I going to apologize for? Like, you are me. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that you yeah. were born. Yeah. And, she's, and she's also been, like, frustrating this episode, specifically in the Pickle Rick episode. Because her and Rick, after that episode in the car when they're driving away, do not care that Rick and, or that Morty and Summer enjoyed seeing the therapist. Right. Like, they're like, what a hack. Like, yeah. she is clearly has more of her her father and her than like any of her kids. I mean, they're both insanely smart and she was married to a fucking idiot for, you know, 20 years. Speaking of that idiot, let's talk about one of the best B stories this season. (laughs) It was good. Also came out of completely nowhere. So it's like, it's Jerry's like weekend with the kids or whatever. So they get dropped off at his apartment or whatever they staying at. And he just has like telekinesis and he's fucking an alien life form now. (laughs) Yeah. With three tits. And then, and then you know what she up, all you, you could see what she has three of, but you know what she has two of. Yeah, yeah, that's a good line. Um, yeah, so they they go into that relationship because it's fascinating, and all it turns out, you know, it's obviously not great. And all she wants to do is like kill people and like yeah. fight wars. And it he was, can't break up with her, so he's he, he's a coward. Yeah, yeah. So this was a great episode for diving into like Beth and and um, Jerry's like characters yeah. and who they are and f- coming to terms with like. Yeah, what are their like defining traits? Yeah, and that the scene, them? the scene at the end in the car when Summer and Morty basically tell him that he needs to like get a fucking grip and accept that he's a beta male and just yeah, and and just own it. Like mm-hmm. you're you're a loser, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking accept it and try to be better. Um, yes. Going back to Beth. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. I do think that she definitely took him up on his offer. To I think up. so. You think I, it's the clone at the end? I, I have a theory. I think, well, I think so just because just logically what makes for better TV is her doing whatever the fuck she wants. Right. She's been grappling with not liking her life for three seasons now. So now they're going to take her in a new direction. And that's going to be she's, season four. Yeah, she's going to have character growth. Yeah, I have a theory that actually that um, I don't know if it'll happen in the season finale or if it won't come back until next season. But I have a feeling that Jerry is going to try and get back with Beth. He's going to get with clone Beth. And then real Beth is going to return back to Earth after oh, going on all these adventures. Yes. That's such a good Jerry prediction. That's home. so... As soon as yeah. the episode finished, I was like, 
this is what this oh is leading up to God. is to two Beths. I would be so that, happy with that. Yeah, that makes too much sense, and it's going to be like earth shattering. It's going to be fucked. Yeah, up I I can't wait to see that. I yeah. I'm willing to place money on that. Yeah, bet I that don't think going to happen. I don't think that Beth is going to. I don't think that like it's going to be revealed that she did it until next season, early yeah, like next ep, season. Ep one or I two. think the finale is going to deal with more of the evil Morty universe. I hope so. Yeah. Um, because I don't. Think you think so? Do... You think we're going to go back there? Maybe not I don't know Citadel, if we will, but I think it's going to be more about him because I don't think they would only do one episode per the whole season that has that but i mean think we it. didn't get evil the first evil morty episode was in season one i know but now we know about it and i think i just feel like this finale is gonna revolve around that instead of about yeah best this this weekend's episode is gonna be very plot heavy i think i'm, oh, yeah. I'm excited for i mean the, i think really the clone beth for... thing is just a setup for season four it just seems like a season four thing mm. to to do like a it's something that takes a lot of beth. thought and stuff yeah. too so i could see them wanting to just like save that idea and really yeah. think it out and everything i mean i'm excited for the finale i think this... I'm t- i think that they've nailed their first two seasons of their finales have been fantastic the season two finale is very dense like okay. a lot of oh stuff goes down yeah with them one of planet, the best episodes yeah with them planet hun- the wedding and then them planet hunting and yeah. then returning himself in yo you know what we haven't gotten this season is a mecca bird person Mm. Oh, Phoenix person. Phoenix person. I thought we Maybe were gonna go Phoenix with Robo person. Bird. I, I'm thinking that shows up in the finale. I hope that. I really hope that he comes back in the finale. Yeah, I hope they don't try to cram in too many things from past episodes yeah. to try to pay off. No, I, hope I mean they keep they, it light. they're pretty good with managing how much yeah. to put in an episode. I mean, overall, this this season has been a great balance of giving us new stuff while still paying off things from seasons one. Yeah, and two. I mean, I think that they've they've really nailed this whole concept which is new this season of making having more of an overlying plot from yeah, episode yeah. to episode and i think that they've pretty much nailed it for and, the most part and developing the characters of yeah. summer and beth yeah. who had always gotten the short straw in I, terms I of would writing say, yeah i would say season three the the show definitely got more ambitious mm-hmm. it may have gotten the the humor of it may have suffered just a tiny bit because they're cramming in a lot more important aspects instead of just being a bunch of jokes yeah uh, they're focusing more on character which yeah, is great i would yeah i prefer I, that yeah definitely i, I prefer while still being, being going on. while still being the you know, wild and crazy, yeah. uh, and multi-dimensional show that we yeah. know and love. And if they're if they're suffering like five percent in the humor category, they're still it's still such a funny show. It's still one of the best <laughs> yeah. shows on. Uh, all right, what's next? What do you guys want to talk about? Um, next, uh, we've have we all seen the latest episode of South Park? No, no. Oh. Did you see it? Yeah, I uh, I watched you it last night. I figured that? that we'd be talking about it on here. That's why I watched it. Um. It's a it's a good Craig and Tweak episode, which we haven't had in a while. Ooh. It's it's really really good. Getting back um, to the roots. Yeah, that's what they seem to be doing this season. Yeah, it's it has one of the best like first scenes in South Park in recent memories. It's it's great. Overall, I think the episode was really good. Um, I think I like the first episode slightly more, but still, these first two episodes I think are pretty much better than anything that we got last I, season at South Park, yeah. which is, just makes me really happy. I just yeah I don't I think that South Park's lane is not in something that has like a giant big message at the end of the season. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's best as just like a stupid funny show that yeah, has far- this, that has speaks, pretty good social commentary. Not always the best, but I mean this speaks to like the difference between Rick and Morty and South Park. Is Rick and Morty it's not trying to make a statement with every episode, so it can have. It can have its own episode plot, but it can also have an overlying plot that you care about and you care more about these characters. Where that's not what you try and watch South Park for. Like South Park is, it's yeah. a farce. It's yeah. satire. It's a far- yeah, and it's it's very headline based. Um, 
a lot of the time some i mean a lot of great episodes are ones that have nothing to do with anything like i mean especially in the old days uh the the old episodes they would talk a lot they would have a lot of social commentary but it wasn't like literally what was happening in the news right that happened later on starting in about like 06 i'd say mm. um like with you know the britney spears episode where she oh, shoots yeah. her head off <laughs> that's i mean and that episode is a great social commentary where she's like people are still giving her shit and it's right. like when are we gonna Another thing, uh, speaking to Rick and Morty in South Park, both in this latest season, um, in the new episode, both of them uh, reference logic. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> neat. Yeah, neat. All right, what else have you been watching? Um, another thing, I decided since it's coming back on air, uh, it's a show that I've always caught episodes of on TV, but I've never really dived into it, and I've always wanted to, and that is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> Larry David, of course, what is there even to say? I mean, it's, it's a show, like I said, like I've always seen episodes of it and I always find it hilarious. So I was just like, what the hell? I'll just start with season one, episode yeah. one. It's funny watching the first episode. It looks so low budget. Oh, it is. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, also heavily improvised. Isn't oh, it yeah, from yeah, like yeah. 2000, 2001? Mm, it, like it ran throughout 2000s. the mid to late 2000s. Yeah, though. it might have been a little bit later than that. Like, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's great. It's great. It's a good show. That, that show is like, it's just Seinfeld on fucking steroids. <laughs> In terms of like the episode, yeah, well, it's on premium cable. But well, yeah, in terms it's, of it, it's HBO, so it's not yeah. held back. Well, and just in terms all. of the structure of the episodes, it's all based around one seemingly insignificant thing that just gets blown up into the largest plot point you could possibly <laughs> imagine. Like, uh, which I is Seinfeld know, too. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the first episode of a uh, of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but um, it starts with a. Uh, Larry David just like sitting at home and you know how in pants and shorts they have the little poof like right around the dick <laughs> yeah. and like they make a whole plot line about the poof and people just think that he's hard all the time <laughs> and people are just checking out his yeah, dick. Exactly. It's 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 so funny and original. Like it's something that everybody's like thought of and made jokes about before, but he was like, I'm gonna write like a full yeah, exa- twenty Thirty Which, minute long script about this. Yeah, and Seinfeld uh, was, you know, his show was one of the f- pioneers in doing that. And Larry David was the major mind behind the writing of that mm-hmm. show. Him and Seinfeld, but mostly Larry David. Yeah, I'm just so excited that it's coming back because I know this is one of those shows that Larry David wouldn't be bring back unless he had like statements that he wanted and, to make and, and he had the. It's material. been gone for what, like five years or so, six years, something like wow. that. Yeah. Good so, show. Um, speaking of uh, Larry David, though. And Seinfeld. I recently watched Seinfeld's new Netflix special called Jerry Before yeah. Seinfeld. I watched like half of it. Oh, yeah. I watched it expecting it to suck because over the past like probably four or five years, he's been going on late night shows very sporadically to like kind of workshop new material and the whole crowd goes crazy just because he's Seinfeld. But that material he's done sucked over the past few years. Yeah. Every time I would see him go on Fallon or something, it was like a pretty fucking weak set. Because um, he's too rich now. Yeah, that's he the thing. He can't connect his, with like, the comedy. His man. comedy is observational. He made all of his money talking about things that everyone can relate to. And so when you're a billionaire, like he would literally, there, he did a bit on Fallon that was like, don't you just have too much stuff? And it's like, <laughs> we can't all, we're not all like that, bud. Yeah, well, there's the joke in, in the special about him taking an Uber. And it's like, exactly. Uber, that's free. You just get on it. It's just something you get on, Uber, right? That just, impression. Just take an Uber. Uber's free. Yeah, Uber. he's he, he's going on this whole tangent like he does about like how we phrase things, and he's like, "Oh, you're riding a cab. You take an Uber because 
what is it? Is it even worth money? Does it cost anything? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like we know what our Uber costs. Like most people tend to know. Yeah. So oh, wait, so are there like is there stuff from his like old old stand up days? Because well, by the name of the special, no, I would assume whole, it was. Yeah, the whole thing is like it's like interspersed with. Yeah, it's like it's interspersed with this documentary, like an okay, autobiographical documentary. Well, he'll show like old stand up clips on stage. He does his first joke that he ever did that landed. Um, overall, I was surprised that it wasn't bad. I wouldn't say it's great because that, that breed of comedy is kind of, it's the kind of comedy that's easily replaced by the internet. I feel like we're like, everyone's pretty much talked about everything at this point. Like we've, we've all, we've made jokes about like using coasters and shit. Like he was, when he did that in the late seventies, early eighties, no one had just made stupid jokes about like things that everyone knows. Right. And he would, he would put time into these jokes in a way that no one else had. Because it's it's well known that like he was one of the first comedians to treat it like it was a day job and just write jokes nine to five. So he would have a perspective on things back then that no one had really thought of. Nowadays, I feel like there are a lot of perspectives that you're getting bombarded with like all the yeah, time on the internet. Twitter. On, yeah, right, so. Twitter's the place for jokes about stupid shit. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of his humor has kind of been replaced and a lot of his takes are kind of stale. But he still kind of has it. He still has the delivery. Um, he's still very animated because that's half the fun with Seinfeld is he's like, so getting so worked up about the stupidest shit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad. If you like the show Seinfeld, then it's worth watching just because, yeah, I mean, you get the whole autobiog- autobiographical segment. You get to see his past, like where he grew up overall. I'd say it's like a solid, like seven to watch. Like, you guys know when you're just like sleeping on a pile of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's worth watching. We were just watching uh, an old bit on the Pete Holmes show that he used to do called New Material Seinfeld, where it was Pete and then it was his writer Joe DeRosa holding a Seinfeld puppet that just looks like a Muppet. Yeah. It didn't even look like Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a Muppet. <laughs> and he's just doing a good Seinfeld impression and just doing horrible bits about yeah. like, oh, cops. Use a cup. You you put in a cup. It's a cup. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, is that good, Pete? Is that was that something? You you take a fine. It's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. A fine's not fine. As long as we're just talking about stuff that we like have watched or are watching, the Pete Holmes show is criminally underrated. Um, but you can't really find clips of it online easily. You, they There's put, some stuff on YouTube. They, yeah, they re-uploaded some to YouTube. Back when he still had the show, everything was on YouTube. He had some of the best sketch comedy of recent memory. Um, but it was just all it aired on TBS for two years after Conan. Right. So no mm-hmm. one watched it. Pete Holmes is not the most marketable fella. He, his face isn't great to look at. No, he's the, he has more of a podcast kind of marketability, marketability he's, he's where you gotta, don't actually have to yeah, look at he's him. He's got a face, face yeah. for podcast. Face for podcast. Just like all of us. <laughs> um, but he is like really incredibly funny. His HBO special that came out this year called Faces and Sounds is one of the best comedy specials I've seen. It's so period. good. It's a really, really good special. He has a great, Laugh out loud yeah. He has a great positive perspective without making you want to fucking punch him. Um, and is I mean now he has an HBO show which we're going to talk about when it comes back on called Crashing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which chronicles his real life uh, because he was a stand-up up and coming in New York City, married the first woman he ever had sex with because he was a good Christian boy, and then she ended up cheating on him and divorcing him. Yeah. So the show picks up. Right when and the, it's a Judd Apatow produced. Yeah, it's show, it's so. yeah, it's Apatowian, so it's got the same feel as like Girls, kind of. Except it's different than Girls. Well, girls is a lot more melodramatic. Yeah, and kind of artsy. Yeah, it's it's got the same shooting style as Girls, right. and mm. though it's it's very back and forth. It's very uh, 
like actor heavy mm-hmm. um but this is a lot more of a comedy like it has a, yeah. a lot of great cameos from everybody. yeah i i need to finish crashing i think i only watched the first five episodes or it, so it improves need to over finish the course it. of yeah. the season it finds its uh yeah, voice Artie lang is great in yeah, yeah there's, there's one was... season of this out it's on hbo um and season two is coming so it's yeah, yeah it's worth catching up on before it restarts because we're definitely going to be talking about it so something i've been watching is the third season of bojack horseman i really need to watch that on netflix have you watched any of it oh no yeah I'm, I'm caught up yeah. to okay. this season yeah. i just haven't had a chance in the last I've week seen the first two. yeah i've only seen the first two as well it's just a show i i'd say it's like ne- one of netflix's best shows definitely because it every season it manages to do something uh that's both familiar with the characters like it doesn't really change them up but it just sends them in a direction that that's yeah fresh and and, and new and you don't you don't feel like it's coming out of nowhere like it feels natural yeah. it's like it's, this good progression it's definitely a show with a lot of unexpected depth to it yeah, yeah and it's i feel like i mean we can't really speak to this because none of us are Hollywood people, but I feel like it gets Hollywood right, unlike pretty much any other show yeah, well, does. It's, it's one like, of those and shows... just what it's like to actually be a star in Hollywood, especially being like you were once a child star and now you're just right. trying to make it still and make a living. But it's also one of those shows that really capitalizes on referential humor. Oh, yeah. And like making references every yeah. every other joke is a reference and it's so funny because it combines it with animal jokes and like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just the level of joke writing in the yeah. show is unreal and infinite puns on animals oh and related to tv shows like so there's just smart. a million different ones we've talked about the premise of the show before well yeah bojack horseman is it's it's a cool animated netflix show that it's basically like an la um like actor yeah. who's actually a horse he's <laughs> it's yeah a it's, man, just, it's horse essentially man. a horse that is uh <laughs> it's will arnett it's bob saget though it's like a horse that's basically bob saget post full house yeah. where in a, he was in a popular 90s sitcom that was centered around like family life with kids and a single dad and now he's just like after that he's very rich, rich but, and he alone. Gets, but he gets no roles and he's very depressed mm. the depressed part is not necessarily part of bob saget's life but i would guess that it is yeah probably um but anyway yeah but it, it, it does it, it it tackles all those serious topics like uh, you know, depression. And, yeah, it's and a very loneliness. unflinching look at alcoholism, depression, yeah. mm-hmm. loneliness, despair, like a lot of pretty heavy shit, like self-destructiveness. Yeah, but, it, but it does it without like really shifting genres because it, it's still a comedy throughout, but it, it manages to weave in all of these dark topics. The and, end and of it, season two is really dark. It gets it, rough. R- dude, it gets, it gets, it yeah. reaches some points where Bojack goes to like unforgivable points. Oh my oh, yeah. God. He goes, he goes to his old love of his life oh and then like God. hooks I'm up with his her daughter. Yeah. It's bad. So season four is out now? <laughs> no, 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 it's or, three. Or is it three. just three? It's three, mm-hmm. So, season, but it's renewed for a fourth season. So season year. two is the season that has the underwater episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that is a really, really cool episode. Oh, yeah. It's a silent episode. Yeah, I would recommend that episode to anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. all, yeah, it's very visually yeah. based because he essentially, Bojack travels underwater and he can't speak because he doesn't have whatever communication device they have. I might be wrong, but was that episode nominated for an Emmy? Yeah, I, I I mean it may have been was. for like I score might have or been something. Wrong, the animated but... the animated um Emmy animated show Emmy isn't like one of the most right right it famous, was like, well, well regarded. I, I think Emmys, that's on so. like one of the t- it's not even like on the main Emmy exactly. events. It's on the technical night yeah, the night before that. So I don't that. really know mm-hmm. who was nominated or won. But yeah, BoJack Horseman, great show. I've heard that the new season does a similar thing to the underwater episode in terms of doing something 
um, that the show like hasn't done before, like yeah. something cool it's refreshing. and new. Uh, I think I've heard it's like right in the middle of the season that it does something. So I'm looking forward to that. I I like taking my time with these shows just because I don't really have that much time to sit down and watch like five or six hours of TV unless it's something like transparent where I can't help it. Yeah. I just sit there and Tra- like yeah, transparent, unable to like, turn the TV off. It's like, yeah, it's like taking acid or something. Yeah. Like it's just like eight hours just went it, by. It's out now. We're gonna oh, we're gonna get man. into it. I'm yeah. so excited. You yeah. need to watch that, Hunter. I know. I know. Re- I really need to watch Transparent. But with all Netflix shows, I know it's all it goes against the binge culture that we're in. But I do really like to take my shows with my time with these shows because I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast before, but I was listening to a podcast with Aziz where he was talking about his experience making Master of None. Yeah, you you yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, that. Did I talk about week. that before? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things that it really hurts like showrunners and creators like that that you put all your time and effort into something and then people just plow through it in like two days yeah no, like, all right next one i mean yeah i a lot of the time i can't like i don't have the time to binge something so i am forced to space things out but uh i mean if i if i want to watch a lot of something i'm gonna yeah. watch it all in one day yeah well i mean like how we uh we've been binging uh, uh the good place mm-hmm. to gear up for season yeah. two like when you're trying to prepare for uh a no, new yeah. um i i mean more so with the like, netflix model of dumping an entire season right oh, right yeah yeah but, wait, but to, if you're trying to catch yeah up catching up season, is, that's yeah. that's different it's, it's um, a great great model and that's a good transition i just really want quickly want to mention the good place we'll get more in depth uh next week hopefully if you if you finish yeah. because season one of the good place i i was watching and thinking this is a good show i was kind of disappointed uh, but as the season progresses, yeah, it's like it not gets nearly better. not nearly as good as The Office yeah. mm-hmm. or Parks and Rec. It's yeah, it's very premise heavy, and I I could feel the comedy kind of suffering for it. But toward the end of the season, you kind of realize that there's a lot more going on than you think. I'm not going to spoil too much, but you come to appreciate. Oh, they're really they're they're committing. Doing a, they're juggling a lot of things right here. And I was just talking about this earlier. It's very impressive that they let the premise of a show fold out over a whole season. Yeah. With a show, typically, you want after the pilot, you want it to be in like, and in, I'm, sh- and you I'm know, sure go you, time. I'm, I'm sure you get the sense that it's not something that they figured out, uh, you know, weeks no. and weeks into writing. Like they must have had a solid plan no, for where yeah. the show was it's, going. It's to a go. Mike Sure show. Mike Sure is you know he's creator of The Office and Parks and Rec, which are the two biggest NBC comedies since friends so he is one of the most profitable people nbc has so they he came to them with this big huge like very uh heady premise and, yeah. and they trust him with it and he's like i'm gonna need like more multiple seasons yeah. i need to guarantee a multiple if, seasons if you don't know the good place is a show about the afterlife like we've we talked about it on the podcast i think last week yeah um Damn, Anubis. It's a comedy about the yeah the afterlife essentially, but you know a lot just things are just keep getting revealed every week, and you realize that there's just a lot going on, especially the end of season one. Uh, like at the end of that season, I'm glad I didn't have to wait how long that like you actually had to because it's like holy shit, it's a cliffhanger. Yeah, and then I just saw season two, episode one, which is the only one that's out so far. Well, it's one and two; they aired simultaneously. They are so, so good. They're better than anything in season so, one. So you think season two of The Good Place is going to be like one of the must-watch shows of, I don't, of this year? Well, I, no, I don't think it'll be most-watched, but I think... No, must-watch. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Must-watch, I'm, I'm going... I can like almost guarantee it's going to be better than season one. At this point, since I haven't had a chance to watch any of The Good Place, I think I actually might have seen the first episode right yeah. when it came out, but um, is it something that I can jump right into in season two? No, don't do it. 
You literally cannot. Okay. No, like, it's very plot heavy. You need to set up these characters yeah, and, and just the world. It's because it's a it's a pretty like fleshed out world. This like afterlife place. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of things going on. A lot of okay. rules yeah. that they set it's, up. It's just if you're watching through season one and you kind of lose patience and you're like, yeah, this is pretty good because that's what I did. I lost my. I just was like, yeah, I, it went down my queue of things that I have yeah. to watch. And I, it took me this long to finally finish the season. And I was like, oh, fuck, I should have finished it earlier because yeah, now, now it's back. Yeah. Well, just because now, like, once you get through the whole of it, you realize that it's like, it's a really good show. And it may end up being just as good, if not better, than Parks and Rec in the office. If I don't, don't, <laughs> don't, mm, I don't think there's any, if anything, the it's, office. I mean, I mean it's, it's different. If anything, it's not the it's, same thing. It's a way more ambitious TV show yeah. than those. It may, I mean, just like, like I keep mentioning it. Well, okay. See, the, the thing with the thing with the Office and Parks and Rec is that these are shows that you can just put on. It's a chill watch. Like any episode, you can kind of just jump into, and it'll be chill. The Good Place probably won't be like that. Like it'll be no, something that you consume in order. Like yeah, a mm-hmm. building oh, building yeah. story. Yeah. With, yeah, with how uh, season two is going, it's a one that you have to watch in order. Like yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. and that's just how TV is now. Like, well, I'm interesting that NBC is allowed. I mean, I guess make yeah. sure since he's made two huge it's hits the only before, reason. they're he's, giving him the yeah. creative. I mean, freedom he to has do more like that. He has more clout than anyone in comedy television right now. It's like him and Mike Judge. Yeah, have yeah. the most like leeway with what they can do. Um, but yeah, I would say after finishing season one, you got to watch it. If you start losing patience, have faith. Uh, and by how long is season one? 13. 13. Okay. I thought it was like yeah. a 22 episode. No, it's 13. Okay. 13 doable. Yeah. It has so, a great writing staff. Like we mentioned in a previous yeah, episode, like a lot Joe, of funny, new, new yeah, funny people. Mm-hmm. Joe Mandy, the comedian who has a pretty good Netflix special. I wouldn't say it's worth watching, honestly, <laughs> but he's a, he's a really funny guy. Um, it's got him, Megan Amram, Jen Sk- uh, Statsky. It's got uh, Demi I Digbe. <clears throat> ah, mm. I get I get uh, a little emotional talking about <laughs> about Demi. <laughs> yeah, de- he's dead. <laughs> this is breaking. Hugh Hefner and Demi. <laughs> oh God. They they died for yeah. Each other. Well, that's the good place on NBC. We'll be talking about it once we get caught up. Um, some other things to look forward to on the next pod. week's gonna be a big episode. Yeah, we're, of course. We got Nathan, Nathan. for you officially I'm, coming back. So we, you know, I realized in the last episode we didn't really talk about the episode. We just talked about the show in general. Well, yeah. I mean, then we kind of glossed over the special, which yeah. I thought was so so good. It was really good. I mean, but so many good moments. You have to watch. You have to love and appreciate the show before you can watch yeah, exactly. the special. Well, that's yeah, that's why I wanted to talk a lot about mm, the show first. Yeah. But that special, oh my god, it like, was great, dude! Every fucking moment with Anthony Napoli, I was unbearable. Dying. Yeah, because they had him. He's bad, and they had him kind of. They had they gave him horrible material, yeah. like the copy he had to read, where it would cut to him, and he'd be like, Hahaha, "Let's go to the next clip." The whole <laughs> yeah, no, the whole moment where Nathan like. Ask him if he is a Holocaust awareness supporter. Oh, yeah. oh my god! And he's like, "Oh well, it's not something I really thought about." Yeah, you and, know, he's, oh, and then really he's, he's, he's like weirdly, he's like, "Were you there? Like, you yeah. just you just know it from history books. Yeah, you're saying you weren't there." <laughs> so, and Nathan's just you can see it in Nathan's face. He loves yeah, then he's just like, "Oh, we got to cut to a commercial." Yeah, that's that's kind of what we were talking about. Where some of the best material is just letting people run with the line, like yeah. you know, giving them the line and just letting them have it. Like it's crazy what yeah, people just, will voluntarily just being say. Human, like people, people are weird, you know. Especially when you put yeah. a camera on them. I mean, like, one of the best episodes of the whole show is comes in season one where he's just interviewing, like for follow up, he's interviewing this gas station host, 
and he's talking about how this guy he was camping with i'm not going to spoil the whole episode but he's talking about yeah this guy was talking about drinking pee and the guy's like oh he should drink my grandson's pee <laughs> and he just voluntarily like he shows him a picture of his grandson he's like yeah you know sometimes when you're worried about something you drink a small child's urine and it becomes the weirdest exchange you've ever seen in this like transcendent moment of television Dude, that whole episode is the, so the entire funny. that entire i would say people should almost start there if they want to watch that yeah. show yeah. it's called gas station slash caricature artist it's what it's the oh, premise man. is like they have to go on this like mountain hike in order yeah. to redeem a coupon yeah he's because well, yeah. he the gas station advertises one dollar 75 cent gas people flock to it and then he's like well you only get it if you rebate it in the rebate box yeah. and the box is located on top of a mountain <laughs> so it's this whole journey yeah, that so Nathan then takes. people end up agreeing to it and he takes takes this group of people out up onto a mountain on this impossible journey and they end up like bonding and having these like weirdly touching moments <laughs> it's it's incredible it's an unreal episode of oh TV. god i love that show i cannot wait to talk about it and, and i know and dissect it and just enjoy the shit out of it yeah i'm Se- just so glad that it's four. coming back it's coming back it, it's i mean we're getting it's going to be the end of rick and morty next week so we'll oh, yeah, just talk finale, about our thoughts on the entire the season. season yeah mm-hmm. um i want to at least do one or two movie reviews next week Maybe Kingsman. Kingsman, maybe Lego Ninjenga. Sure. I mean, I'm still waiting for my movie. Maybe, pass. maybe yeah, me too. Jake Gyllenhaal stronger. Perhaps. For the listener, Hunter has his movie pass, and he's being such a dick. Yeah. Oh, guys, like I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go, go hit up to. a one a three a.m. showing right now after we do this podcast. Yeah, just like any movie. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, I just like, heard this movie exists. Just I'm just gonna go yeah, fire man. up the projector. Boys. I've seen Mother eighteen <laughs> times. <laughs> I don't even like it. I just don't. I, <laughs> yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> uh, all right, and then after that, that so that will be next week, and then after that will be the big Blade Runner episode. Well, I guess next week we'll talk about the original Blade Runner for sure. Yeah, we yeah. could. Uh, we could. I mean, maybe watch Blade Runner before you guys could come. Uh, if we get watch to that it. final cut song. of my house, that blue, that Vangelis uh. score. All right. Well. To wrap it up with some plugs, let's uh, open up the plug bag. Shout out, shout out, Snyder Colin podcast. Shout out to our loyal listeners, Danny and Joe. Shout out to Jim Bob for your great fan mail. Send us fan mail, guys. Yeah, shout out to Jim Bob, whoever you may be. Just send us like a. What's our What's our email? So you can send us fan mail. We got that Jim Bob at our email, which is webottamike at gmail dot com. But you can also, um, you know, like our. Follow us on Instagram or like our Facebook page. Messages on there. Yeah, um, Twitter. Yeah. If you tweet me a question, I'll read it on the air. I don't care how obscene it is. Yeah. I don't care how much it insults me. I'm going <laughs> to tweet s- you an insulting yeah, question. I'm standing by that no matter what. <laughs> you got to hook people for the next episode. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Caldernist. Also on Instagram at Caldernist. I am on Twitter and nothing else at hunt underscore mobbly m-o-b-l-e-y I think it's, there's no underscore dude there what yeah it's just hunt oh. mobbly god damn it that's why i haven't gotten any new followers i've been telling people yeah. the wrong twitter some handle sh- some schmuck in like Fuck. ireland is like oh man these people love my content i don't even have any content i'm yeah, on so okay i'm on hunt no underscore mobbly yeah that's hunt and then spelled out no underscore <laughs> And then Mobley. I'm at Drew Dietzen on Twitter, spelled like Drew, like, you know, for example, the word Drew. And then Dietzen, like diet, and then Zen. Yeah. Basically, my name is three words. So like, don't fuck it up. <laughs> but it's all one word. Yeah. 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 No. And 
the three words. So yeah, too. Get, my, any... my middle name is no spaces. <laughs> send um, us any questions, sponsorships. Any, yeah, any just, sponsorships. Yeah, any like products us, that you want to give us your give us that loot crate. Um, this episode is also sponsored by. Tasty cake, cream-filled snowballs, Halloween edition. Ain't it tasty like a tasty cake? Is that, that is that a real is that a real jingle? Did you just make that up? That I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, well, now it's a thing. I'm tasty cake, send us that money. Ernest, your I'm entire scared. eyes are covered in blackness. <laughs> like your whole pupils are just black now. What happened? <laughs> I don't know where I went. <laughs> who who are you? I just I just traveled to a land of frosting and. Oh strawberry God. goodness. Ernest is throwing strawberry up frosting everywhere. <laughs> Whoa. Holy shit. Oh, man. It, but Drew is growing devil horns as we speak. Fire is building around him. Why do you the keys up on the table? There you go, gonna make another table. You want to? Grab a bucket up on that little makeup. You want to? I've worked up on the bucket makeup. What have you? Why do you need the keys up on that table? You want to? Self-righteous suicide I cry When angels deserve to die Mike! Whatever happened to Sode? Bye. The hardest band of sixth grade. <laughs>